welcome to D&D Brief. This is your DM. I am DM Sam, and I am here with my awesome, awesome players. Let's go around the round table and introduce ourselves. So uh, how about David first with the new microphone? Yeah, sporting a new mic, so hopefully it's nice and clear now. Um, I play Axley Tillingquest, a halfling bard. Excellent. And Nina? Hi, uh, I play Emran Ornestra, who is a human stork- storm cleric. And Matthew? Hi, I'm Matt. I play Konos Linda, the CF Warlock. And last but not least, Karu with the mascot Earl. <laughs> Hi, I'm Karu, and I'm playing Marcel Duran, who is a Lutrinian storm sorcerer. So who wants to do a recap? <laughs> do you want me to do the recap? So we left Trust and Fen, oh. decided to go to Kyleport, and now we're on our way to Kyleport. <laughs> yeah. That's, That's, That's the in-between. <laughs> what was the recap of the last thing? Uh, we're, we're on schedule, right? It's just, sure. we haven't had any yeah. detours at all. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No unplanned. Da- yeah, David posted in the in the in the discord and said oh we're on our way to calport and i said i said yay i've been waiting for that for 10 months (laughs) (laughs) when the dm Um, prepares the city and the (laughs) players decide to go everywhere else (laughs) Eh, whatever got a lot when when, one random storm takes you on a 10 session (laughs) (laughs) exactly well i mean the thing is like it yeah uh, you would have had to go there and then go search for the thing that you need anyway. So this way you got kind of blown off course. You did all that stuff first. So it's not like that stuff wasn't necessary for you to experience. So. Oh, good to know. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, the <laughs> I mean, pa- it was the palace of mud, right? So eventually you're going to have to find the palace of mud. Um, anywhere. Yeah. yeah it's so fun, funny it, how that works in, in D and D. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> well, what's funny is there are two, well, so you don't know this. We're still in debrief, right? Uh, so there are two there are two locations that I had a palace of mud. Um, so you've visited one of them. Now we don't know where the second one is. Oh, okay. Um, and it just so happened that when you got blown off course, you were within a few hexes of it. So I I was like, oh, that makes that makes that's good. That's better than just sending to some deserted island. So, <laughs> um, you know. Anyway, okay. so. <laughs> so last session, here's what happened at the end. Uh, there was a um, an intervention, and uh, oh, that's why I don't remember the, what happened. Yeah, <laughs> the, group, <laughs> the the group had to um, had to uh, had to had to talk to Marcel about the wonderful necklace that they were wearing, um, and. Hijinks ensued, and eventually, um, the necklace was uh, well. So I think what happened was there was some zone of truthing going on, and there was some suggestioning going on, uh, mm-hmm. and there was there was some uh, commanding as a second officer to uh, to to follow orders. Um, and Marcel was like, "Geez, guys, what's going on? I don't even know what you're talking about. This isn't that big of a deal at all." Um, sort of in not so many words. Uh, and the long and short of it is they got the necklace away from Marcel and uh, M. Emmerin cast 
remove curse. And that fully made Marcel not have to have anything to do with the necklace because the necklace was cursed. And so Marcel was compelled to not want to have the necklace out of their possession. Um, And at the end, though, what happened before the remove curse was cast, Marcel actually uh, rolled a, a save and actually succeeded. So Marcel gave up the necklace of their own accord, and then Immerin cast Remove Curse, and Marcel sort of became aware of the full, the full intensity of the of the bad feelings that were being produced by that necklace. Because uh, previous to that, in the same episode, Marcel had raised dead, but not raised dead into a nice living mm-hmm. form, but rather created zombies. Um and a little bit liked it. So, uh, <laughs> so, so then, yeah. So then, uh, because of a confluence of events, Konos agreed to let Marcel zap him. <laughs> yeah. <with> shocking grasp. <laughs> with shocking grasp. And that caused the barnacles on his face to shrivel up and fall off and reveal that his eye is a perfectly shaped piece of coral. Uh, for, for the first time, uh, the crew is seeing Konos's head without barnacles all over part of it. Uh, and the, the coral eye is a little bit disconcerting, but it seems More than the work. barnacles? Well, you had the barnacles covered. Oh, true. So, um, and so that's where we stopped. Did I skip anything? I'm sh- I mean, I skipped the whole first half of the episode, but uh, <laughs> we got well. We got some really key information revealed about possibly the cause of the sinking, right? Regarding the the soul okay. spire in the threefold lake that is empty, and that's okay. where also the coral resides, which we learned. Yeah, yeah like okay. Konos, Konos tried to commune with his patron, and sort of worked, and sort of didn't. Uh, but in the process, he yeah, he got like essentially like coordinates of where what plane this is on. Um, it's not the, apparently it's not the blue plateau. And so, so it was a plateau he didn't, wasn't familiar with, but That's he right. knows, he know, he essentially has like GPS coordinates of where this is. But when he tried to write it out for everybody else, it was just all gibberish, but he can understand it perfectly. Yeah. And then something else that was kind of key was, it was revealed that something was removed, some kind of material was removed from the threefold lake that, that started, causing the sinking and then so we kind of surmise could that be the coral the piece of coral you mean the piece of coral that uh mark that uh konos now has yes. in his trident yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah that we maybe it needs maybe to be reunited the... with the the rest of it yeah because the rest the, of it's the still coral in the, itself in the, is the plug like, yeah mm-hmm. pretty much yeah mm-hmm. So we have a lot more questions, which is going to make Calport interesting <laughs> because we have a lot yeah. to research that could take us in many different directions. Okay. And so, so let's set off for Calport. <laughs> we have a fleet instead of just <clears throat> one, one ship. ship yeah. That's right. You have your ship. You have Sharkface's ship, which is being manned by Haka. Uh, because Konos instructed the Haka to man the ship, but that Sharkface is still the captain, um, to which they looked askance. But then he clarified 
don't just do whatever he says. Right. <laughs> He's Make sure he doesn't captain. attack us. He's the captain. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, you have the seven longships that are also manned by Haka. So you have a veritable fleet. You have two large vessels and seven longships, which are which are sort of smaller, but you know they're still ships. Um, and you've got a whole tribe of Haka with you. And you've got whichever of his crew remains alive. You know that Azanana was starting to get sick, but was still alive. Several of his blue goblin crew have perished. Um, well, several of them turned into zombies um, uh, and now probably have perished. As it happens. As it happens, as you do. So that's the that's the status. Um, so let's do a couple of crazy rolls here. Let's see. Uh, Smooth sailing all the way through. <laughs> on the sea again. Well, I did mention yeah. that you haven't you haven't seen the other palace of mud, right? <laughs> right. Just can't <laughs> wait to get on the sea again. Uh, so remember, it's going to take you minimum twelve days to get to Calport per your estimation based on the new numbers that you you know that that hex map instead of being three miles per hex uh, probably is 24 miles per hex which greatly increases remember that's the other thing that you discovered um, uh, horrifically last time you discovered that uh, a couple of sessions ago or so you discovered that possibly if the plateau the plateau is uh, is is elongating or or everything's being pushed outward except there are barriers on each edge of the common plateau so one side has cliffs one side has a waterfall one side has an acid veil bunch bunch of acid falling from the sky and one side has doldrums and so if everything is being pushed out to those edges that means that everything could just end up being destroyed um and everybody would die yeah. Yeah, that kind of solved the question someone had about like, well, what's so bad about everything's mm -hmm. just, you know, staying the way it is? Be yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's all being pushed further and further apart. Right. Right. And not just further and further apart. It's going to get pushed into the bad areas. And I don't think, right. you know, someone's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's not too bad. It's just acid rain. Mm -hmm. Right. So, Absolutely. but you don't know, you don't know what's beyond, right? Like you, you have not, none of you have been to those edges. So mm -hmm. you don't know if those are actually being pushed farther out either, or yeah. if the world is actually hitting into them or knocking into them. If there's any islands being consumed by them, or if they're just passing through, for example, the acid veil, or if they just fall off the waterfall, where do they go? Right. So you don't actually know the answers to those questions. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But ideally we question, stop so. this before we, that becomes a answer. Um, sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. Before you have it is a concern, them. though, um, and I guess something we'll have to figure out as as much as possible mm -hmm. when we when right. we get there. We were also concerned about trying to uh, see if we could overtake or at least keep an eye on where the ship with the trust trust and friend mm -hmm. refugees were, so that they don't get right. you know blown off because they don't they don't probably realize that everything is so far apart. So they're mm -hmm. probably questioning why they haven't reached Calport by now. Right. Yeah. Because they uh, got trapped in a storm 
So probably after they got trapped in the storm, they probably just uh, thought about, well, we're off course, so that's why things are taking longer. But then... then but if they, it takes even longer, they may yeah. think that they overshot right. it. Right. So, however, the last time that Marcel, or sorry, the last time that Imran tried to contact them, didn't they say they were already near Calport? They did. They did. They said they were a few days out. Well, if they're a few days out, I mean, they don't know where Calport, like they're not in, they, they don't have any visual of Calport, so they're guessing still. Right. Yeah, like they're a few days from maybe where they expect to be, but it mm-hmm. might not be there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So the question is, what do you all want to do? So you're, so in other words, uh, the reason I, I, I'm prefacing this is you've got 12 to 15 days of travel. So the first decision that you have to make is, do you want to travel through that gray area on the map? I, I we were talking yes. about doing it, yeah. Because yeah. we were saying, you know, there's, we don't correct. know what's there. Knowing, knowing what's there, filling out the map a bit more, I think mm-hmm. is something we're all on board with. <clears throat> so for the stream, there's the map. Uh, and the gray areas there are um, the areas where it's uncharted. Yeah, and we we were figuring we were somewhere at least close to the little group of four island, the four hex island there to the south, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Not quite that so, one, but somewhere in that right. vicinity. Yep. Yep. And there is so if you just take a direct sort of route you would go right mm-hmm. through the middle of that gray area yeah. you would cross over this typical trade route that was drawn here by the company the eastern sun person uh and then you would get to cowport which is up in the upper left corner up there yeah let's do it let's see if we find cool stuff okay. or dinosaurs <laughs> or dragon's lair you know <laughs> or dragon's <laughs> Uh, so, <laughs> oh, so the so the second question is, um, what are you going to do on this twelve to fifteen day trip? What do you? I have what stuff. Are, okay, what's what's your stuff? <laughs> let's um, let's do let's go like in a round table, and we'll we'll start taking care of stuff. Uh, we'll start with Nina. We'll start with Imran. Sure. Um, the first thing I did make a note that I wanted to cast commune. Okay. Um, so at some point during the trip, um, Emerin would sit down and as long as she could find incense, I need incense in a vial of okay. holy or unholy water. If I can manage that. Um, I would think that uh, the, um, the Hakka would have you know, they, they have a, a shaman type person. I, I would think that they would have uh, incense available that they could have given you before um, before you left port, right? And they probably have yeah. some with them actually as well. So if you needed more, they could they could give you that. I don't think that would be a problem. Perfect. But so I have com- a question. So... So you want to do commune first, huh? Yes. All right. Let me let me read here so that I can. Uh, 
Um, Okay. You have your questions figured out already? I do. <laughs> I had Are a you, lot of time to think. Have you told the rest of the crew that you're doing this? Um, I hadn't. Probably, yeah. I'm probably on the deck of the ship if it's like raining at all or storming at any point in time. I would like to do it at that point. And I also have my Pelker. And <laughs> okay. He's chilling with me. And I set it all up on the deck of the ship and Uh, did you tell your mom? <laughs> I didn't. Okay. Specifically not. <laughs> did not. Um, okay. So all right, so um, you meditate for a minute, and nothing really happens. So you just sort of continue to concentrate. And after about four minutes, you feel um, almost as if there is a um an enlightening presence around you you feel warm it was raining right and so you were a little bit chilled cuz you had sat there motionless for 4 minutes and now you feel a little bit warm so you think that uh if you ask some questions you will you're in the presence of your deity so you you might get some answers or at least you're in the presence of um a representative of some sort of your deific power, right? Of your deity's deific power. It took longer than you thought. I make a mental note of that, but I sure hope you know what's going on because we're lost on a lot of things. But I found my mom, and she had some concerning things that she said, and maybe you can clarify. She talked about the white axiom, and she said, Troy, the common plateau. You you blanked out there for a second. She said what? I asked if it would destroy the common plateau. You ask your first question is will the white axiom destroy the common plateau? Yes. There's a long pause. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you feel your heart beating in your chest. And after a moment, 
Um, the response comes back and it's in It's, it's in a voice you weren't expecting. It sounds like your mother. And the voice says, yes, but not the way you think. The white axiom will destroy everything thinking all of my questions <laughs> um, so the only reason so i gave you more than a yes or no because the spell description says in a case where a one-word answer could be misleading or contrary to the interests of the deity the dm can offer a short phrase so just telling you yes to that would have not been yeah a good enough answer it would have yeah so I like the implication that when you get more than one word answer, it means your deity is actually paying attention to you. And it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and now I feel special. <laughs> yeah. Um, no planned set of questions survives contact with the DM. <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. Well, but if we don't reverse the sinking, will the common plateau also be destroyed? If we don't reverse the sinking, will the common plateau also be destroyed? There's a long pause again. And then you hear a voice. And it's not a voice that you expected. It is the voice of Olgrat. And Olgrat says, No, of course not! Are you able to communicate with my mother? There's a pause. <laughs> um, again, you hear a voice that you were not expecting. This time it's very unsettling because the voice that you hear is the voice of Larilac. And the voice says, No, my child. And when you come out of your, when you come out of your uh, meditation, meditative state, there are four pelkers around you, and much more time has passed than what you thought. Like normally, that spell takes a minute, and lasts for a minute, and you ask questions. You've been in a meditative trance for at least an hour. slump back against the ship and take my pelker and just kind of think about all that. <laughs> if she was in a meditative state for that long, I almost imagine um, it's four pelkers and just one Lutrinian just staring at you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I would 
occasionally walk by and just make sure she doesn't like fall off the ship or anything like that. <laughs> just like laying on my belly, hand on on chin on my hands, just like so. <laughs> that took a while. Uh, yeah, it doesn't normally. Did you have a big chat instead of like three questions? I thought you only got three questions. That's what you said that you got. Yeah, that's what I got. It didn't okay. feel like. Oh, it's been days. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm kidding. It's been an hour. <laughs> we got no, to Calport. Was... We left Calport. It... <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Dropped off the main and back. That's all. <laughs> Saved the world. <laughs> mm -hmm. Broke it. Good job. So all of those questions were for not. Okay. Did you get no good information? I mean, no. It 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 made some things clearer, but it also not very specific. Like, the white axiom will destroy everything. So that's out of the picture. But even if we don't reverse the thinking, the common plateau won't be destroyed. I guess destroying a plateau is kind of complicated and might just unbalance the whole universe. Yeah. The real question is, can we survive in whatever happens if we don't do this? Or can we survive in the common plateau if we don't do this long term? And not that I personally am concerned because I'm a pretty short-lived race, but I've heard some other people aren't. My people can adapt, but not everyone can. Right. I guess we do some digging when we get to Calport. Do you tell them that yeah. it was different voices than what you thought? Yes, actually. <laughs> yeah, Why definitely weird. Um, heard my mom and Olga. He's weird. Could it be that your god's just, like, using sounds from people you've spoken to? Like, maybe if the god spoke to you in god tongue, you'd be like, ah, my brain. <laughs> so instead it's using, like, people you know. <laughs> I mean, I... So the fact that it took me that long to contact... Gorass, the fact that she can't talk in her own voice and the fact that it took an hour to get all those answers makes me really concerned that something is happening. And we already learned that Laralac, I have all of my notes out, everyone. Um, Laralac is trying to trap Gorass. So whatever he's doing might 
be succeeding. Hmm. That would be bad. That would be really bad because I would be pretty screwed over if I couldn't contact my deity because that's where all of this comes from. Yeah. I just kind of, kind of try stuff out until something works. Uh, yeah, that would be bad. We kind of need your healing. Um, not me specifically, but more like Konos, definitely. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love how Marcel describes their spell casting as, I just try stuff until something works. <laughs> that's our story. That's how it works. <laughs> that's pretty accurate. <laughs> I saw Konos do Eldritch Blast, and I was like, ooh, can I do that? It took a bit, but I got it. <laughs> Um, so, um, David, where was Axley when all this was happening? Uh, did anybody notify Axley that, that, that Emmerin was like communing for much longer than I'm assuming everybody was kind of paying attention and trying to give her space, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I wasn't being discreet about it. Yeah. I think what uh, I'm trying to do is go through the, the, Book of Proofs transcript that we have and just mm-hmm. try to get any questions that I might need to research in Calport okay. together. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're you're consumed with that. So you don't know anything that's happening with Imarin. Okay. Um, okay, so uh so that's all happening during the first day. Mm-hmm. Uh Konos, what are you doing during the first day? Um I'd want to ask the group, does anybody have anything that lets them see it? People lets you see something that's invisible. I don't think so. We've, we have the monocle that kind of worked. Okay. Um, yeah. Like, could I either borrow that or maybe you come with me? Cause I want to spend a little time just like going through the curiosity, just seeing if there's any other like hidden compartments in there. That we haven't, we haven't found yet. I really wish I still had that x-ray vision thing, but I don't anymore. Sure, I can take a, a break from study. Okay, give me yeah, a, I take a little, little time. Um, just, yeah, yeah, just comb through the like, and just see if there's anything we haven't, anything we've overlooked, or anything that we haven't found yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you don't find anything extra in the curiosity, but you notice. Um, that the sword with the skull on it that has like the purple eyes and all that. Uh, when you look at it with the monocle, it glows a little bit. And then you kind of looked away. You're just kind of sweeping around, just sort of looking. And when you got back to it, it sort of looks like it's wavering in and out. Like, Almost like, uh, you know how you see something through a mirage? Uh, it looks kind of, it sometimes looks kind of veiled like that. Um, almost like uh, if you've ever had experience with um, a creature that can displace, like a displacer beast type of, type of creature, if you've heard of those, um, they sort of waver and then they displace themselves so they move. Um, when you look at it with the monocle after, you know, not all the whole time, but just you sort of, you were sweeping around and the first you saw it, it looked like it was glowing. And then the next time you looked at it, it was a little 
like mirage like it's about to displace. But then you look at it and it looks normal again. That's the only thing uh, curious about anything you found in the curiosity. It, it didn't do that before, did it? Nothing I recall. Hmm. I'm just wondering if if that's tied to if that's at all tied to that pendant being the curse on that pendant being broken. Maybe we should try that. Maybe we should have Emmer try that on this. The remove curse spell. Yeah, on the on this sword could be one less headache. If it is cursed, I mean, it could just be, it could just have a really weird personality in it. Yeah, that's what worries me is how strong is it? If it's if it's got some kind of personality, if it's intelligent, yeah. it, it may be a you know a, a level above just that amulet that seems to be more of just a magical device. Right. Yeah. This, I mean, this. I wouldn't want. I mean, this could be have more. This could be more like you know, uh, another version of Bolum, basically. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to put her in danger if suddenly it thinks like it's being attacked. Yeah. Okay. Well. All right. Well, that's what I was looking for. So, thanks for your help with this. <laughs> Wish we could have found something, but oh well. And then I would like to take a little time to chat with Bolum as well. Okay. Uh, I would want to ask it. I would want to ask it, and this and this is all inspired by our debrief. I would want to ask it, what was it before it was put? It became part of this trident. Like, where, what was it before? What do you mean? What was I? Well, I'm not sure what you're asking. You haven't always been possess, you know, possessing this trident, have you? No, I suppose not. Nope. I suppose. So, how were you created then? Well, hmm. No one's asked me about that for a very long time. <laughs> uh. Well, what what do you mean? I I I'm I'm not sure how I how I got put into the trident. I mean, did you used to have a body like like me and the rest of us, or did you just wake up from nothing and you were a talking trident? Oh, I had a body. Of course I had a body. Of course. Okay. How, how long ago was that? Hmm. Well, time is so fluid. Let's see. How long ago? Well... Hmm, what year is it? I tell it what year it is. Because <laughs> I imagine it's, Konos would know what year it is, even though yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, to Konos, it is the 50th year after the sinking. Um, and in overall reckoning, that makes it year 2150. So in if if you track time since the beginning. And so if you tell Bolum it's the fiftieth year after the sinking, he can try to figure out what it is. But um it's roughly twenty one hundred. You you all don't count it as twenty one hundred though. You count it as f- year fifty, right? 
50, 50 um, PS. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, but you do know, um, well, maybe perhaps, you know, um, certain points in history. So, uh, Bolin tells you that um, uh, the last time he remembers having a mortal body to worry about, it was right when they were trying to fight the demon lord Kuras in the first Bane War. And uh, if you Roll me a history check. I can tell you what you know about that. I was going to say Konos probably knows more about that than, than I do, but maybe not. Uh, <laughs> Twelve. Um, so, you know that there was a demon war in the year 300. And the demon lord, uh, Kuras, got struck down. Then there was the second Bane War in the year 600. And in that demon war, the demon lord Balakaxagon got struck down. And then 600 years passed, and Pegard the Eviscerator brought on a third war, which is not called Bane War Three; it's called the Evisceration. And then there was relative peace, at least in terms of demons trying to come in. Um, from then until the sinking. And what Bolam is telling you is when the first Bane War happened in the year 300, that was the last time he remembers having a mortal body. So 1,800 years. Wow. Yeah. But he doesn't remember. He, he can like snap his fingers and go back to that time. He is timeless. So he doesn't feel it as a long span of time. He just says, oh, that was, it's like you saying, oh yeah, that was when I was 12. And to you, it feels like kind of a long time, but actually not really like, you know, like it's within your memory, your living memory. So it's not. Yeah. Well, if you're, if you're timeless, then can you, can you see what's ahead? Can you see future points in time? Sure. Okay, let's play with this a bit. So, can you tell Most us if... Most people don't like it when I tell them about the future. It's can unsettling. You can you tell us if we're ultimately successful in reversing the sinking? He sort of, he, he sort of, that's quiet for a second. And then he comes back, well, it depends on what you mean by successful. Can you be a little bit more specific? Is Do we reverse the events of the sinking? Do we restore the common plateau to the way it was before? Mm, yes and no. Okay. Um, yes and no. See what I mean? People find it unsettling when this happens. <laughs> okay, it's like a magic eight ball. Um, <laughs> yes, you restore it. Is it exactly the way it was before? Well, no. 
does Lyralak succeed in his plan? To yes and no. The common budget. Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he succeeds in his plan. His plan is not to conquer the common plateau. Okay. What is his plan? Well, that I can't answer. I'm not... I don't know his mind. Not sure. Right. Are I mean, you... Ju- you know, I could tell you what I think, but... Are you... Is there just one of you as far as like, are you a single sentience or is there other other pieces of you? I have brothers and sisters. Do you know where they are? Not really, but I know when I get close to them. Are your brothers and sisters these howler creatures? (laughs) No. No. I don't want to kill my brothers and sisters. I want to kill those howlers. They don't deserve to have purchase in the common plateau. They're not here. They're not of here. They need to be somewhere else. Where exactly do they need to be? Kind of like that goat thing you always bring out. (laughs) It deserves to be somewhere else. Where do these deserve to be? Oh, back where they belong, in the well of Hasit. All right. After, After they're all dealt with, then what? What will you do? Will you still have a purpose? Well, of course. I always have a purpose, don't you? Yes. Changes from time to time, but yes. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> do you have any connection with the coral in the threefold lake? Or do you know how to get there? Yes and no. Yes, no. You're you're connected, or yes, no. You know how to get there. I think I'm connected. I I think one of my siblings is there. What are your siblings' names? I don't know. Well, hopefully, if we come to the threefold lake, we can find at least one of them for you. Or three of them. Three of them there. Well, there's three folds in the lake. Uh-huh. Very clever. All right. Well, thank you. We'll, we'll try to learn more when we get to Calport. Calport? Is that where we're going? Yes. Excellent. I, I agree. haven't been there in a long time. I've never been there. What's it like? Oh, it's a big, beautiful, dirty city. It has lots of people. And, well, I haven't been there in a while. Let me see. And he pauses. We have to go there right now. We need to be there right now. We should go. You should go as fast as we can. We are going as fast as we can. 
Very well. I'll let you know. Well, you'll know when we're there. So <laughs> I'll be watching. All right. <laughs> cool. Marcel, what are you doing for that first day? Um, probably just hanging out with the ship. I mean, besides, you know, keeping an eye at least until, uh, Emeryn finishes with her spell. Uh, um, I'm just enjoying the breeze. Like I'm up on deck pretty much all day because I'm testing out things and maybe making the wind go into full into the sails. See how fast I can get the ship. That probably tires me out after a while. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, Axley, you are transcribing the Book of Proofs, what it said. Some things that you come upon that you, that you are sure that it is saying, but you don't know how the pieces are connected because the translation is, you know, there's like an equation in there that you can't really figure out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but here is what you, here, here are some things that you glean from what you, what you've seen so far. Um, it makes mention of a white plateau, which you have not, I mean, Perhaps you assumed there were plateaus for every color, but so far you have not really had any interaction or any you've you've had you've had knowledge of the dark plateau, the common plateau, you know there's a green plateau, you know there's a red plateau on that cube. There was a red one, right? And you know there's like a door thing on there, but you've never really heard of anything about a white plateau, but there is definitely a reference to a white plateau. There's also reference to the Soul Spire. There's a reference to the Dark Plateau. Something called the Palace of the Faded. Fated, F-A-T-E-D, not Fated, F-A-D-E-D. Okay. There's a reference to the Red Plateau. And something called the Well of Capitalis. Okay. And all of those things are connected with various uh equations and symbols that you have not yet had a chance to decode um and in there you also see two names that you recognize one of them is Laralac one of them is Delincia okay hold on a minute can you um uh, sure uh, pick uh yeah you can go with someone else so pick me up in a minute okay um, Imran, what are you guys going to do the next week? So we don't have to necessarily go day by day because it's going to be like 12 days, but uh, I want to give everybody enough chance to sort of you know, a 12-day travel aboard ship is going to get long and boring, uh, so we're not going to play out every single day, but um, it's sort of like uh, if you're traveling by ship, like you have to account for what you're doing during that time, right? And so like, if there's anything substantial that you're doing other than normal shipboard activities, then, you know, if you think about that, just let me know. Um, yeah, I have a couple yeah, more yeah. things. Okay. Um, the first thing I want to do is find Konos. Uh, you speak primordial, maybe, right? Yes. 
you want to help me read this thing? And I hand him this, uh, the scroll of vile undoing that we found. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I can read it. I can read all languages. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can spend some time with that. Um, the scroll of vile undoing, it actually is a spell scroll. Oh. Okay. Um, but it, you know, it's it's different from other spell scrolls that you have seen. You know, arcane spell scrolls, you can pretty much tell immediately that the the ink itself is imbued with some magical properties, so that when when it is read, the ink in some way acts a little bit like the like the material component in a way as part mm-hmm. of that spell activity. Um, and in this case, it doesn't. Uh, it's not like the normal. It is a weird ink that is written in, but it's not the normal sort of arcane imbued ink that you're used to seeing. It's also not uh, like a typical divine scroll, you know, like you have seen in the temples where they might create a scroll as part of a parlay to a, to a, to a town leader or as a gift to someone. Um, and they'll, they'll weave some sort of, you know, curing magics into the scroll or something. Uh, and that has a divine component. That's, that's typical of spell scrolls as well. This is not like that. This is a, it's a different ink, but it's not your typical arcane divine kind of ink. Um, and basically uh, the way that it works is it will take a creature up to three targets and it will cause that creature to whatever item it was resistant to or invulnerable to, it will make it now weak to that. So any any natural or magically induced protections that up to three targets have so that so mechanically speaking you can pick up to three targets within 60 feet and each of those if they have um one of their resistances or invulnerabilities you can basically turn that into a weakness so it doesn't just wipe it out it turns it into an actual weakness okay if you so so i should actually say it like this it's up to three vulnerability or up to three vulnerabilities so it doesn't have to be three targets it could be one target with three resistances or vulnerabilities you pick which ones that it wipes out basically okay okay and and um there is definitely you know as kono says you go through and you read this there's definitely like an evil kind of aura on this thing i mean this is really you know because it's made to take natural defenses and turn them so it, you're basically messing with evolutionary elements there, and so there's an evil tone to that. It's it's not a it's not a nice pretty you know, it's it's not a nice spell. It's a it's a pretty nasty spell. Okay, so I'll, I'll give it back to Emerency. This this remind this reminds me a little bit of some some kinds of magic I I've, I'm a, have a little familiarity with, um, but it's much stronger, and it's kind of nasty. So we should we should save this for something that we know is going to be really hard to deal with. Yeah, right. and I explained her everything it does basically. You can probably hold on to that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Were there any of those books that we got from the Temple of Mud that we haven't looked at yet? 
Is there like eight or nine of them? Yeah, there's quite a few of them. <laughs> so uh, the Atlas of the Kingdom of Dupern, mm-hmm. the you haven't really looked at yet, uh, but you, you kind of flipped through it and you saw what it was. Um, the Pactus Hydronicus, which was subtitled The History of the Blue Gate and Its Influence. Mm-hmm. Amethyst Wards, uh, which Imarin briefly flipped through as well and found that it's a history of the use of amethyst in binding and summoning. And uh, has images of amethysts and a weird contraption with tubes and stuff, and it called it the master. Um, there is a fluid factotum and the history of the green bloods, which Marcel read, I believe. Yep. And then there's an herbs and tonics of the Calrot region, which is the region of the world where Calport is in. Okay. At least before the sinking, that's what it was called. Okay. Um, I would spend some time going through the Pactus Hydronicus book. Okay. Um, Oops. Pactus Hydronicus. So um, this tells the history of a particular gate that led from the Green Plateau into the Blue Plateau. And as you're reading it, you realize that um the places that this book is describing are places you have never heard of in your life like they haven't been in anything that a typical person growing up in this age would know um it talks about a place called Jeremore it talks about a city of Fordenton it talks about lots of different things and as you're finishing up, kind of, you 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 sort of you you don't sit and read the whole thing, right? You're just kind of flipping through and you're looking for certain things. And as yeah. you get to about halfway through, you start seeing, and you start realizing, wait, you have heard of Fordenton, you have heard of Jeremore, and those places you've heard of because the Company of the Eastern Sun was founded by a group that went to the Kingdom of Jeremore. Or the the continent of Jeremore and the kingdom of Fordenton and did something to become heroes. And that's part of why they're the founders of the Company of the Eastern Sun. Um, and you realize that the Blue Gate was located in that kingdom. And at the end of the book, it says that the Blue Gate turned into a rift. And the difference, so remember, there's sort of three ways to travel between plateaus, right? There's ladders. Yep. Gates and rifts. And then there's gates, and then there's rifts. And the thing about ladders and gates is you can control them, you can maintain control of them. But rifts are either unexpected or uncontrollable. And so that's. So that got out of, basically got out of control. All right. Interesting history lesson. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's it's sort of like, um, you know, reading something that you don't know anything about the first time you're kind of flipping through it and, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. And then you start realizing, wait, I know a couple of these names, you know, it's yep. sort of like reading a book about, uh, 
you know, some sports team that you've heard of in your life, but you never really followed, but you recognize some of the names, but, you know, it's, it wasn't really, didn't have any consequences, you know, there was, it was inconsequential to you, but now all of a sudden this information might be important somehow because it was in that library, I mean, or in that, in that, you know, that person's on that person's bookshelf. And yep. so suddenly it seems more impactful maybe than it would have before. Yeah, and the thing I remember most about the Blue Gate is that's where Larillac was said to be sending his army. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah, and now it's an unstable rift. So who knows where they're going to go? All right. Well, and remember the uh, the those things that they're talking about; those locations are locations that haven't been talked about except in the ancient past. So that's different from saying, oh, there's a rift that just opened near Calport. He might be trying to exploit a rift near Calport. And that's an, you know, like that's, that's a meaningful statement. If that were true, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, that if, if you suspected that, that would be much more impactful than saying, well, you know, maybe a thousand years ago or maybe 400 years ago, there was a rift in that area before the sinking that, was being exploited like that's a different that's a different kind of issue than if it was happening right now i guess is what i'm trying to say so conus has heard of jaramore and Fort. does he know where those would be in relation to calport or any other major places uh to the west if they are on the common plateau okay yeah if they're still there right Okay. So, uh, Axley, did you mm-hmm. do you want to? Uh, do you have questions about the things that you? Okay, so the last thing I got was the well of Capitalis. Yeah. Um, so these things seem all they're all linked together somehow. Like maybe there's a process or a procedure that involves all of them. They are part of the equation, so um, they are related somehow. Yes, you're not quite sure how. Uh, you don't know if they're related in location or if they're related in terms of first this has to happen, then this, then this, then this, right? You, you're not really sure about that yet because you haven't spent enough time to decode the entirety of the thing yet. Okay. If you wanted to do that, that would probably take you days, mm-hmm. but you might finish before you hit Calport. Sure. I got nothing but time. But And I'll bounce <laughs> these things off of everyone else. I think we've heard of all of these things except the Palace of the Faded. I don't. I don't recall that. Well of Capitalis doesn't sound that's a new, sound that's familiar. New one too. Yeah. And then who was who was Delencia again? Yeah, who was the second one? Delencia is the Queen of Souls. So when when Ian Tarsus uh, uh to, or when when Olgrat told uh Imran about Ian Tarsus, here's what he said. He said Ian Tarsus was uh, ages ago in the olden times in the reckoning of dwarves. Ian Tarsus was a dwarven king, um, and uh, he was mean and a selfish, and he was tyrannical. They teach their dwarven children of him nowadays in terms of his folly and how to not behave that way because it's bad. Um, he made some very shameful decisions. He was guilty of many sins. 
He betrayed the All-Father and the White Lady, which are basically the Mother God and the Father God for the dwarves. Um, because he sold children into slavery in order to help Aeolias, the, the, the first dragon, right? Aeolias children is the race of dragonborn that supposedly descend from the first dragon. Well, that's the race that got rid of the tieflings. And what Olgrat told you was King Ian Tarsus uh, sold Delincia's children into slavery in order to help Aeolias children get rid of the tieflings. So Ian Tarsus was partly responsible, partly directly responsible for destroying an entire race of beings. And that's very distasteful to the dwarves because they're generally honorable and would not uh, condone such actions, even if they don't like a particular race. They don't necessarily think that a sentient race should be destroyed. Um, now, Iolias' children actually redeemed themselves because during one of the Bane Wars, they were integral to de defeating whatever demon was attacking at that time. But the, the dwarves... Um, the way that they redeemed themselves is they, King Ian Tarsus and his entire clan were exiled and not ever again recorded in the history books of the dwarves. So um, it's, there's no telling where they are now. Olgrat said to you that he's sure they, that they and any ancestors that were still alive uh, had perished during the sinking. He was absolutely positive of it, but he couldn't tell you why or you know, he just told you that's what he thinks. And he, he also told you that uh, one of the one of the sayings that they that they tell their their dwarvish children in the clan is, you know, don't misbehave or Delencia will come and get you as repayment for Ian Tarsus stealing her children. She'll come and steal our children. Okay. So that Delencia, that is the same name that actually is decoding. I mean, for all you know, that could be like John Smith, right? How many John Smiths are in the phone book, right? Yeah, like, all right? of them. Yeah, so, but it could be, you know, Ian Tarsus is certainly not. Because once that happened, now his entire clan and his whole name line so no no living dwarf right now could ever be named Ian Tarsus, right? So unlike unlike Delincia, which could be a common name, you're not sure, Ian Tarsus is not a common name. Well and the two related together makes it Right. Right. You only get like human Ian Tarsus where someone overheard it and didn't know the context and named their kid. And then that poor kid, every time he meets a dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dwarves, actually, the clans have a response to that. They believe that that is the, the halflings uh, trickery coming back to the dwarves uh, because the halflings have a, a deity called the Wisp of Fate that they believe in. And their wisp of fate is whatever you do comes back to you. And so <laughs> the dwarves believe that if someone else, someone comes to uh, interact with the dwarves and their name is Ian Tarsus, that's like the halfling gods laughing at them for having had mm -hmm. a bad, you know, a bad seed in the in the past time. It's a it's a thing, right? Because dwarves and halflings actually get along really well. But um, yeah, so 
it's a it's a trickery thing, right? It's like it's like if you're you know oh psst, go over there and tell old man Grimm that your name is Ian Tarsus he 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 you know that kind of thing right so, <laughs> so okay right. um I have a thing I yes. want to do well a couple things I think the first thing that Marcel does during the day is kind of help bond with and check up on the crew okay um keep up some good relationships with them. We want them to be happy. Um, yeah. So, um, your harpoonist, he, he says, I don't, I don't want to bring this up, but I'm kind of the de facto representative of the rest of the crew, and they really want to know when we're going to get paid. I mean, the, the deal was we'd get paid on a weekly basis and then and then we would get like some percentage of treasures and whatnot, right? But mm-hmm. and we hit that storm and now we've been working hard every day and we really don't have anything to show for it. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, you don't really have many places to spend the gold right now. Yeah, but we're going to Calport, and everybody has oh, heard yeah. that this is a big town, and you know we're gonna we're gonna go in there and not have anything to even buy some. Nah, I mean, I mean, obviously, like you guys have to have some money to spend in <laughs> Calport, like all of it, probably. Um, I'll speak to Emerin about making sure you guys have money before we get to Calport. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Also, yeah. we're, we, we, we've been asking some questions too, and I don't, I don't know the answer, but so you know how whenever Emeryn's walking around, there's that green thing that's, that's following her or on her or something. Yeah. Yeah. That thing. Is it edible? Mm-hmm. I think they're poisonous. <laughs> oh, Oh. Yeah, I've also okay. heard it's really bad luck to hurt a pelker. Oh. But they're okay. really good Darn. luck to have around, which is why we ended up with so many on board. Oh. Yeah, they bring good fortune. Okay. But only All if right. you don't hurt them. <laughs> All right, I'll spread the word. I'll spread the word. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So like if if you if you sleep and then you wake up and you have a pelker on, that means that's great. You're going to have a great day. Okay, excellent. All right. All right, I'll spread the word. I'll spread the word. Yeah, you do that. <laughs> Did you see the look on Nina's face? <laughs> They're delicious. It did a whole journey there. <laughs> if anyone touches them, they are dead. <laughs> I knew. Well, I like knew I said, it brings bad issue. fortune if you hurt them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where did these things? Go? Why do we have so many of them? <laughs> they just they followed us on board. They were like, they, uh, complaining. Like, Dear Lord, we have they, so um, many. Yeah, remember they were um, by your mom, right? When you went yeah. to after her, and she was in her tent, and the haka had cut a little cat door, a little pelker door into her yeah. her her little hut, and they were just. And every time you went back, there were more than there. And now that everybody's on board, like, and then when you talk to her that time, they started, you know, coming around you and hugging you. So, yeah. 
they just bonded Again. and followed us. They, they're they're probably now like I, I imagine them like bunnies. They're just you know reproducing <laughs> at extreme rates under the ship. We're gonna sink from Pelker overload. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're like cripples. Yes. So the, the issue we're gonna run into aren't they like really expensive? Like for their fur, like isn't their fur really expensive? Yeah. Yes. We're going to get That's to Calport an and it's going to be like, they're going to find that out. They're going to find out two things. One, Pelker fur is expensive. And two, we don't have money to pay them. <laughs> I actually, that was something I remembered like falling asleep the night after we last played. I was like, oh my God, we haven't paid the crew. And I have a plan, <laughs> but I forgot to implement it first thing. Oh, so how I quickly can you breed Pelkers? <laughs> 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 I am definitely caught. I am definitely speaking to Emmerin about the whole pay situation. Um, yeah. yeah. The other thing I do want to do, and uh, like as we're traveling, because I do have navigators' tools. I don't have. Mm -hmm. I think I only have navigators' tools. Does someone in the party had uh, cartographer? Cartography tool uh, tool proficiency? Uh, I've got navigators, tools, and water vehicle. Okay. Well, we're going to try our best to make a new map um, mm -hmm. using what we know of things and kind of either fixing the old one or making a new fresh one and kind of journaling since we're going through like uncharted territory and kind of mm -hmm. adding to the map and making a new more accurate okay. map for at least what we've seen so far and, mm -hmm. and figured out in terms of distances and stuff. Okay. Yeah. That knowledge will be worth something for sure. Yeah, because maps are notoriously hard to come by and also often incorrect. So being able to say, here's a new good map that we just made is... Yeah. yeah. And I, as we're I'm learning, not they're proficient not in cartography, just in navigator's tool, so it's going to be really accurate, but it looks like shit. <laughs> a little circle. Here's an island here. It's my linear. Um, Distance okay. is correct, but <laughs> yeah. right, right. Uh, okay. Anything else anybody wants to do for the rest of the ten days of travel? Am I aware of any, or do, do any of us know of like any, you know, ships that may have sunk along this route in the yeah, past? We're in uncharted ground for the mo for the yeah, at least first for, few days. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so there is a, I believe there is a, I have to look at my map now. Um, there, There is, if there are any known shipwrecks, they're on that map. Yeah, so there's one to the north of, like, we have to go further north than we were expecting before going west. If okay. we wanted to hit the shipwreck that's on the map. Okay. On that, like, sandbar island. Yeah. In the middle of all that. Yeah. So I don't know if we want to... go off course a bit and check that out in terms of finding more treasure to feed the... I pay, mean... Pay the pay crew. crew. That's, my, that, that's a thought I've got. Yeah, so that, that area that is there... Uh, has a shipwreck in that little bay area, but that island looks like it's marked as all desert or sand. And there is also a ruin there. 
might be worth exploring. I don't know of our timetable though. Have we we haven't run into the other ship. Emrin, have you been in contact with your father to figure out how they're doing? Um not relatively recently, but I can. Um yeah, so I said like if because my suggestion would be once we reach that kind of area where we'd have to like deviate, contact them, see if they've actually reached Calport and how things are going. Did Conos tell everybody about the fact that Bolum was like telling him to go to Calport as fast as possible? I would have shared that, yeah. Because here's the thing the ship that we like never did anything with because we had those 11 amethyst gems that were worth 20 to 25 mm-hmm. and I don't I don't have it written down because my notes are kind of crappy during the first few sessions because I was <laughs> learning how to take notes but I don't think we ever did anything with because we got no. the dock fee waived so we didn't have to pay anything for the dock fee the registration or the watch and then I Eventually don't remember. I kind of found out that amethysts were kind of important for the whole things we were investigating. And I think that's part of the reason why we never touched those amethysts. They've been our right. like backup, but we haven't really used them. Yeah, we were, we were, we were, there was, a, there was that night we were going to try to sell them along with some of the gunpowder, but then that's yeah. when that's other things happened. Shit went down. We have yeah. those. And I have diamond dust. I have 300 gold worth of diamond dust, and we have 75 gold pieces from just the stuff we found on the ship. So, total, I think we have enough to get by for the crew. Yeah, we, we might not have anything left over for ourselves for now. Right. But, yeah, if it comes down to it, I'm, I'm pretty sure we can liquidate our funds. Heck, we might even be able to sell some of those books to the Calport Library. Some of like, them might I feel like... be expensive. Yeah. If it comes to it, we can always sell the Pelkers. Uh, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> the Pelkers stay on the ship. Except for the one that lives in my hood. That one can come. <laughs> but everybody else... Yeah. <laughs> and there is a Pelker that lives in the hood of my book. I haven't decided on a name. <laughs> so, do you think, as captain and and uh, so on and so forth, that we should not deviate and go directly to Calport? That's my gut instinct at this point: is to just get there ASAP. I can I can send a quick message to my dad and see where they are and if they've reached Calport and everything seems fine we can check in again and if everything seems fine we can maybe deviate but sure yeah I, mean, I say we play we'll, caution we'll find out what we need to find on that island I mean it happened with the Hakka place right maybe right. there's another howler in those ruins Do we know how many howlers are out there? There were what, eight or nine total? 
Oh, nine. And there's was... two less, so there's seven left, I think. Yeah. I mean, we have no way of knowing if they're on this plateau or not, or if there was only one per plateau, and we already got the one on this one and the one in Darkport. But, eh, I'm I'm just saying, we might find interesting stuff that might be relevant to saving the plateau. Yeah. Or we might not, and it's just a bunch of old ruins, and there's nothing there but dangers that we have to kill, and Right. Lose time. There's always a risk. <laughs> always that risk. But um, I send a message to my dad. Okay. And what do you say? Hi, Dad. Just checking in. Um, have you reached Cowport yet? And are you doing okay? We're on our way. Doing fine. We're being held in the refugee containment camp. We had some sick people on board. Oh boy. All right. Do you tell the rest of us this? Uh huh. So they made it, but (laughs) they're being held in the refugee camp. Hold on. So they thought like a camp made specially for them, or are you implying that they had more refugees from different places? I don't know. I'm kind of thinking the latter of the two. I feel like a lot of people are starting to take action and leave places. Because we even saw it at the on the Hakka Island, like the Blue Goblins were everywhere. They were going to do the same thing that I'm assuming happened in Tenacast. Tenacast. Um, Trust Trust. and Finn. (laughs) That's my other campaign. (laughs) Everything's blurring. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and they're sick. Hmm. A very general term. Actually, you you know what? You knew. You knew that there was a sick person on board. I mean, we knew Lucanius was there, but he said Mm. sick people, right? Yes. So, Lucanius like like spread the crab sickness. I don't know if he spread it necessarily because I feel like it just pops up. I didn't get that impression from from Shark Master, um, Shark Face, Shark Head, whatever. Um, <laughs> shark Head. <laughs> <laughs> you, none right of you ever asked him his real name, so. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah, we didn't actually. No, it's fine. Shark face. Um, <laughs> he said that it it was more of like those are looking for power that they made like a deal of some sort with, with the the, the big bad and 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 those who who were like some of them went through the transformation like he did. And then some of them just die, but it doesn't feel like that's a disease that spreads more than like you choose, or at least are subjected to some kind of evil ritual. And then right into that. 
Because I kind of feel like, I almost feel like there's an offer and that you are offered great powers or this happens. And right. But we got conflicting information because the blue goblins that we spoke to said that people who are resistant turned into crabs. But Sharkface was saying that his people weren't resistant, that they wanted the power and they still were dying. Yeah, like, I'm that's... not sure how that works, but that does kind oh. of point to the whole, like, it shouldn't be a sickness as much as maybe a kind of blessing slash curse. Right. Which is why, god dang it, that's what I wanted to ask. <laughs> Though I guess if it was a curse, you could remove it, like you remove the curse on. I know. I was. I that was my other question that I was debating, and I couldn't remember what it was because I didn't write it down. Was if there was anything I could physically do to reverse that specific curse? You could just try remove curse. I know, but who, Bolam? Konos, when you did that thing, you said nothing would work because I. Scratched everything out. Oh, when I was, right. When I was talking with yeah. Bolum? Yeah, because we said the amulet, remove curse, or greater restoration, and he said none of those would work. Oh, right. Um, yeah, the amulet, so we know the amulet work. didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really said, you know, that didn't seem that we had a means in our possession at the time to right. reverse that all. I want right, to ask. So that's the answer you got. Right. I mean, maybe a remove curse can stop it for a while at least. Maybe try and like save the the yeah. first mate. Wasn't the first mate also sick? Was starting to, yeah. He's not as far along as the others, at least. We maybe. should we should also, yeah, you know, take check in with Sharpie to see how the rest of his crew is holding up and see if there's getting worse as yeah, well. Yeah, why don't we do that? Why don't I just... You know, I have some stuff prepped. Why don't I just try a few things? It probably won't turn anything into zombies. <laughs> so what are yeah, you Yeah, so do? I guess at some point during the time that we're traveling, we board Sharkface's ship and to... Chat and I'm gonna ask him if it's okay if I try a couple of healing things on his crew. I like the fact that now, if you want to go from ship to ship, we don't have to bother with like stopping or whatever. It's just we cast fly on and just fly to the other ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back. And everyone's like, <laughs> like yeah, we you know we we got these great rowboats. They they work fine. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um. So who all's going over to the ship then? Oh, I'm definitely going. Okay, I am. Konos. I'll go. Okay. I'm um, a curious little Lutrinian who needs to know what's going on. And so, what are you going to do? You're going to ask. You're going to ask Sharkface if you can try to heal some of his people? Yeah, I don't know if it'll do any good, but it's worth a shot. The it last time you tried this, 
it turned them into unspeakable horrors. Well, I wasn't here last time, and that was a mistake that won't be repeated. Okay. Who do you want to see? Whoever's kind of still coherent, but still sick. Well, you might as well just go down below and pick somebody. Sure. They're all about the same. I go down. <laughs> kind of same scenario. So most of them are blue goblins, but remember Azanana is there. Yeah, is he? Okay. He's, um, he hasn't gone through any transformation, but he is sick. Okay. Any like crab like features yet, but he's okay. Yeah, he has he has no physical transformation at this point. Yeah. But he is obviously, obviously sick. Yeah. I guess yeah, I just go up to him. Would you mind if I tried a couple of healing spells to see if I could help relieve whatever's ailing you? He nods. Yeah, I'll try remove curse. And see if it does anything. Azanana uh, starts going into convulsions for a few seconds, and then he stops, and he's basically passed out. Okay. <laughs> That didn't go as planned, so I'm going to do a quick cure wounds at first level. <laughs> okay. Um, as you cast cure wounds on him, he almost like reverse ages. So, you know, he was this really furry founder creature, right? And he like, he had all this really bushy fur and then he kind of just as if he de-aged about three years, which is a long time in founder time. They're kind of like Lutrinians. They don't live very long. And then he wakes up. And as you're watching him, he starts just kind of losing his fur. And over the course of like a half hour, he ends up looking completely human. Uh, how do you feel? I haven't felt like my old self in a very long time. Can someone get Sharkface? Yeah, I thought Sharkface was watching over your shoulder. <laughs> he might have been. He, he he was not. He stayed up above decks. Oh. He didn't. Oh. He didn't think oh. it was going to work. Yeah. I'll go up and get uh, Captain. We can we can you join us for a moment? There's some mm -hmm. something you might want to see. Sure, sure. He comes downstairs and he stops when he sees. He says, "What did you do to him?" If I'm being honest, I'm not really sure. 
but how did how did something? How did this happen? I I removed a curse and then just kind of healed him up, and it. I I I. Can you do it to the others? I mean, within reason, sure. The, just to double check, this is how he normally appeared? I, I haven't seen him in human form in two years. Wait, so he was human to begin with? Yes. Yeah, what? what? Okay, how, what, how did things change? Well, he went through the transformation and he turned into that thing. Hmm. Huh. Well, just for the record, I've always been a Latrunian. (laughs) (laughs) I go over to one of the ones that's more crab-like. Okay. That's pretty far into the crab transformation. Mm -hmm. I do the same thing. I cast a cure or uh, remove curse and cure wounds. Uh... So, um, he dies. Does he die with the remove curse or with the cure wounds? You remove curse. Mm. Yeah. Huh. Well, I guess he was okay. Maybe he was just too far gone. I was going to say if. Does Asanana seem sick still? Or is he, like, better, better? He looks better. So if they're not showing crab-ish features, I think I can stop it. But if they're too far in the process, I don't think I can do anything. So, with Sharkface's permission, I'm going to try it again. doesn't have crab things. And cast Remove Curse, Cure Wounds. Remove okay, Curse so is going to have remember, at a different level. Sorry, what? He, he had them separated, right? So remember, he had some that were like really far gone, crab-like, and mm-hmm. sick. And then he had some that weren't as far gone, that are just really sick. Yeah. So you want one of those. You want one of them that doesn't have any crab pieces. Is that what you're telling Correct. me? Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, he convulses for a few seconds, just like Azanana did. Mm-hmm. And he quiets down and basically like passes out. And then you cast Cure Wounds. <laughs> and over the course of two or three minutes, he turns into what, for all intents and purposes, looks to you like a halfling. Ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> I like 
don't even know what this means for the story. What is happening? Yeah, it just seems like, you know, once they've, before they've reached a certain point, it seems like you can yeah. change them back. Well, yeah. this is concerning because you have seen blue goblins growing and incubating in eggs. And this thing turned into a halfling. Right! And we literally slaughtered an entire island of them. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> At least things all look like... They all look like blue goblins when they're under the normal people. So when this goblin sort of comes to, because he was kind of knocked out Mm -hmm. and did the transformation, he looks around and he like stretches back and he like sort of, who are you? Where, Where am I? What are you doing? What is this place? Sorry. Sorry. Um, you're safe. You're fine. Um, do you know Sharkface? Captain? Of a ship? Uh, uh, no. Who? What? Okay. Like sharks. Um, no sharks around. Um, you're on a ship. I don't Sorry, like the water like either. Sorry, the whole world is water. <laughs> what? Wait, when? What was? What's the last thing you remember? Let's start there. I was. I was. I was fighting a battle. Um, where and what battle? With whom? Why? Well, with my cousins, we were, we were fighting on the Genic Plains. We were fighting, and then and I died, I guess, or something. It was. I remember getting cut. What? Who, where am I? We're 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 just as confused as you are, quite honestly. What year do you think it is? Huh? What year is it? It's the year of the sword. What do you mean? What year is it? Numbers. Numbers. I don't know what you're asking. Interesting. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Does he have any reaction to, like, there's a Lutranian talking to him? Uh, not really. I mean, he's just really freaked out right now. Okay. Yeah. Well. So. Do you think. I think. You died. And got reborn. And you just recovered your memories after some bad shit happened in this life. What? What? Yeah, I don't know you th- either. You think what? <laughs> I think you were reborn. 
after you died? Reborn or revived? Well, it was a different... Well, you know, the, 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 the stuff that we're not going to talk about. And... <laughs> Wait, there's what? Stuff we're... I don't, don't worry about it. The, the thing is, uh, things happened, and we just, like, she just did some, like, holy magic on you, and now you have these new memories from before, but, like, it's, uh, it's, uh, been a while. You're, you're you again. Yeah. But. I take my pelker, stick it in his lap. I go to the next one. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he instinctively, talker. he instinctively just starts petting it, and he kind of calms down a little bit. <laughs> That's what I, I go to the next one and do the same thing. I've got, I've got one thing we can try on. I could try on the ones that are farther along. Changed. It might not be pleasant though. What is it? It's not going to make zombies, is it? It shouldn't. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> That's less than reassuring, but I don't... Sharkface has pretty much given us free reign over experimenting on his crew. We might as well take the opportunity. I mean, to him, they're basically going to die if you don't do anything, right? Right. Like, right? Yeah. Well, th- he has this two would options. Be... He lets us do things and maybe fix people, or maybe they die before, you know, suffering for a couple days more. <laughs> I mean, the other thing he wanted was to help them finish their transformation. So this might be right. more along that line. Mm. So. Okay, so. Basically, I would he, polymorph one of them. He tells you that it is in, in year terms. So look, go back, pretend like I had this answer ready when you asked. Sure. It is, it is 76 AB, the year of the blade. Oh. Buddy, uh, Axley knows what AB means, probably, but none of you probably do. Well, it's the year 50 now. (laughs) (laughs) The what 50 AB? I went back in time, I'm not born yet. No, 50 50 PS post sinking. Post what? Sinking. This is a sinking. You know, when the whole world just goes sploosh. I, this is why it's a pelker. <laughs> yeah, he just starts petting it again and just. <laughs> you go off to the other one, and I'm still with this guy, just <laughs> harassing <laughs> Uh So, what are you doing to the next one? Uh, same. I'm gonna do the same deal to as many as I can today. I have three more spell slots, so I heal three more people. Heal with or remove curse. Remove the, curse. The combination. The combination. Yeah. Okay. Um, Assuming they so don't die on the first one. Is shark you're, you're picking uh, just random people, but that haven't had any crab transformation yet. Correct. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, all of my slots. Um, one of them becomes another halfling. Okay. 
uh, one of them becomes a human. Okay. They both have a reaction to being revived similar to the first halfling. At this point, I'm just so fascinated that I go to each one and in, in, in turn and go, what year is it? <laughs> <laughs> you said you had three more, right? Sorry. I just yes. named you two. Um, there's, a, there's a small chance they'll die, so I have to. Okay. Um, you have another human. So you've got uh, two humans and two halflings. Um, what years? Okay. Well, so one of them says it is the year 81 AB, the year of the feast. One of them says 29 AE, the year of the veil. That was AE, not AB. Yeah. Um. (laughs) And one of them says... So the two halflings are in the year AB and the okay. two humans the two humans are AE. And are all their last memories of being in a battle and dying? Uh their last memories are yeah, uh, being some uh dangerous situation. And they don't really remember the dying part. Do any of them know each other? Yeah. No. No. They're from uh, different years. They're from different years and different places you gather. Mm. All right. Sounds like there's some necromancy at work. So he's pulling souls and turning them into, or at least populating his goblins with souls that used to exist. Do we, oh, this is out of character question, mm-hmm. do, like, what's this setting's take on the whole, like, reincarnation? Is that a thing that they believe in? Uh, so some races do, some ancestries do believe that their spirits of their ancestors are reincarnated. Often it has to do with they their belief that um, uh, there are souls that are reborn into new generations so you know like uh the dwarves are very prophecy driven so for them they'll say something like uh you know um there was a hero that did some great activity and when that person died they got to live a long time but when they died their soul would go to the soul spire and eventually they would when another when another dwarven child is born in the future at some unknown point they might also have a piece of that soul, so they would become a great hero of that next generation in the future. Didn't we hear about the soul spire being in the Treefold Lake? Treefold Lake? Mm-hmm. So, do you think he's using that to, like, create these goblinoids? Using souls that are collected there? So if you, um, so general knowledge, if you um, try to tell you things that your characters might know that, uh, so if, if you're a, so Imran would know this because Imran would know that, 
because Imran kind of has a little bit of knowledge about the Raven Queen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, when a, when someone dies, if they have a fully invested soul, um, they go and um, they go to the Soul Spire, and in the Soul Spire, their soul waits, and then the Raven Queen uh, makes a determination that they either they either get to move on to another plane or something, right? You don't really know like if, if there's like a heaven kind of thing, that, that sort of idea, right? It's kind of unclear, right? But the Raven Queen is the one who is responsible for ushering the souls where they need to go, so wherever their final place of being is. And normally it's just kind of reduced down to, well, you either go to kind of the good place or you go to kind of the not good place, right? Um, depending on how you right, <laughs> how you lived in life, mm-hmm. and what kind of deeds that you did in life, and we know that um, Lairlac was messing with stuff inside the very temple of the Raven Queen's, like the Raven Queen's main temple, right? Presumably, so we have presumably without her knowledge. Yeah, so we have a lot of like little hints that might be going towards. Yeah, he's kind of siphoning these souls and using them to create an army of blue goblins. Because yeah. we also knew that blue goblins weren't really a thing until they started showing up suddenly. Right. So they're they're a new race, and now we're discovering that this race is apparently populated with souls of people who died mm-hmm. centuries ago, if not. Yeah, and remember in this setting, um, like resurrection and and raise dead is not really a thing that's done, except in the instances of divine, true divine intervention, where a a god or exarch comes down and says, "This being deserves to live again in their mortal form before they pass to the soul spire." But that's not something that is really it doesn't happen right it's just not it's not usually something that is known and given the age of the souls it's like this is more of a reincarnation using souls that should have been somewhere else rather than bringing them back to life because they're blue goblins so actually might have some ideas about that but he's not with you so he can't tell you (laughs) i was gonna say i after kind of feeling them, getting them chilled out a little bit, um, I motion for the group. We should probably get back because I have questions for. We should probably inform Axley of what's going on. I also have questions for Blacksley. <laughs> so why don't we reconvene back on the ship? Okay, I do want to try the one thing on the yeah. one that's really far gone. Just a little bit okay. really quick. What are you going to do? I'm going to go finally like the one that looks the most far farthest mm-hmm. transformed. I'm yeah. going to I'm going to cast polymorph and turn him into an actual crab. <laughs> Polymorphing him into an actual crab. Yeah. Or whatever most resembles like the transformation. Okay. Uh <laughs> What's your spell save, DC? Okay. Uh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
No, it's pretty high. It's like, 16, uh, never mind. I rolled a five. Uh, uh, yeah, like, I think it's like a, like a, so, did you want to um, transform it into a specific type of crab, or what's your what's what are your thoughts on this? What do you? I need Some, to have a a clear vision of what you're trying to turn it into. Okay, okay, okay. So you're making making me contemplate the horrible choice I've made. Okay, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I would Konos would look at him and this creature and see you know, like just try to suss out like what's what is he most closely, re- what kind of sea creature he most closely resembles. Mm-hmm. And then that's what he's trying to picture. Okay. Um, Ideally something that can breathe air and water. Okay. Uh, you cast polymorph and it turns into a crab about this big. Okay. Like about Like about a foot across. Okay. And it's like backing up, you know how crabs kind of skitter Yep. Trying to like get, get out of sunlight and get away from people. Mm-hmm. It kind of goes under the <laughs> under the blankets that were on the, you know. Yeah. Does it start okay. foaming at the mouth? Nope. Ooh, we like the other ones. Um. So I'm, I mean, this after like observing it for a couple minutes, I will mm-hmm. end the spell and see if it changes back. Uh, it changes back to. A half goblin, half crab thing, and dies almost immediately. Mm. Okay. The stress. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Well, not doing that again. <laughs> I mean, you put it out of its misery. It had a it had a moment of brief respite from pain, and then. Meanwhile, I'm probably perched somewhere where all the guys that have been cured are. And I'm like, so the sinking. <laughs> <laughs> Holding a symposium. <laughs> Just a brief recap of what's happened. Everything went underwater. And now we're all on boats. So yeah. picture it. Greyhawk, 1932. Or something like that. <laughs> Whatever the line in uh, Golden Girls is. St. Olaf. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Picture not the greatest, greatest Cal- historian in the world. Calport, one twenty one AB. And considering my race is so so short lived, it's probably like so centuries ago. I mean, fifty years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, the story that uh, Marcel is weaving is very, you know, yeah, suspect. Pre- yeah. <laughs> The important part is yeah. everything's pretty much underwater. There's a bunch of islands, and we're mm-hmm. heading towards one of the bigger ones. And I'm sure you'll be able to find whatever you need to learn there. I hope you know how to read. Do you guys know how to read? Where? One of the humans asks you, where? Where are we going? Calport. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, Calport. you're you're familiar with Calport. I've, I've, the, and the first halfling says, I know Calport. We're going okay. there. Excellent. I didn't realize we were on the Calport Lake. I didn't realize we were on Lake Calrot. We'll, we'll be there in no time. It's fine. So I'm not I'm used to seeing the shore, though, on each side, but I guess whatever. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, what? Oh, no, dear. Calport Island. Calport what? survived the sinking because it was really high up in the mountains, I guess. Now it's a port. 
uh, have you been drinking? I think, I think you've got some, some, uh, what are you anyway? <laughs> I'm a Lutrinian. A what? A Lutrinian. What's we're, that? We're originally from the Blue Plateau. The who? I think I need a nap. As an Anna, can you fill these people in? Sure. Do you want to take them back to your boat or leave them on this one? Um, I mean... Uh, well, right of, now your ship's been under control of the Hawka, so... I don't think these guys are going to be much use as crew, though. I, I think some of them even hate the water. I mean, they're gonna have to learn something it's true and they're gonna need someone but this is not the world they knew someone to kind of show them the ropes so i feel like i I, i'll do my best that would be great and then how do worse than i've done (laughs) probably correct um, would it be possible just for time's sake over the next couple of days the ones that are not crab exhibiting you want to try to transform all of those yeah just over the span of a couple of days spend a couple of on each of them okay um Okay, so you're going to you're going to try to come back for the next few days on the journey and transform anybody who hasn't gotten so far that they have crab parts. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um you can do that. Sure. That's not a problem. Uh okay. I will roll and make sure if they survive or not in a okay. in a while. Um so that you're going back to the ship? Yes. Okay. Are you going to tell Axley? Yes, we fill him in on everything that just transpired. And I took my pelker back and I'm sitting on the floor dead tired because I spent all of my spell slots. (laughs) So, yeah, they listed a couple of dates that they thought they were from or that they are from, but... Yeah, do I know what those are? A-E and A-B? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, A-B means after Bane. So that's after the first Bane War. So that uh, 70, what was the number? 70. 76 and 81. Yeah, 76 and 81 after Bane. So those were respectively 76 years and 81 years after the end Ah. of the the first Bane War. Uh-huh. Which we know is about 1,800 years ago. Right. And um, the second is after the evisceration. Right. And the evisceration was the third war, which was yeah. in 1,200. Okay. Wow. So then the question is, when were their souls harvested and actually right. put into the service of Larilac? How long would souls hang around in the spire? That's a good question. So, theoretically, this 
the soul so the actual answer you'll get from a religious scholar is that the souls will remain in the soul spire for as long as they quote need to in order yeah. for their for their future to be dispensed right so for them to to go to the it's almost like a purgatory right mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. they've been finally judged and before they can go to their final plateau whatever that is right they have to be judged and so it's the raven queen's job to judge but you know it's not like there's necessarily a rate so at least not that you know of um so theoretically it's possible that someone could have had their soul or something else happened like it's it's generally speaking it's not thought that they would last that long in the soul spire the soul spire so um so in order to um so you know this from the equation that the soul spire empties into the threefold lake right and when the soul spire empties into the threefold lake that's when the soul is judged oh and then the, and then the soul goes to whatever its resting plateau would be whatever that is which you you're not sure about that at this point hmm so by emptying it out all onto the material plane, they're kind of forcing these souls to reincarnate on the material plane. That's my thought. You're not really sure how the Palace of the Faded works into that, so like that's I don't even know what that yeah, is. Yeah, this is all guesswork. Yeah. But... <laughs> um, so you can roll a religion check. Actually, can roll a history check if you if you want to know about that Palace of the. It's pretty high DC, but okay. um. Uh, five, and then I only get a plus two, so that's a seven. Yeah, no. That's a natural 20. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, plus one, so 21. <laughs> the Palace of the Faded is the home of the Raven Queen. Oh. And so if, theoretically, if there's an uh, indecision about which way to send that soul, it's possible she could take the soul to the Palace of the Faded, or... Some say that the souls, after being dumped into the threefold lake, they go to the palace of the faded for judgment to be. Like when they're in the soul spire, they can't leave the soul spire. But once they're in the threefold lake, they can go to the palace of the faded to be judged. Actually, do you know where Blacksley is? Mm, I've been kind of in the room studying for a while. I haven't seen him lately. I go find him. Do you want me to ring him? So he's probably nah. inside the curiosity, to be fair. He seems to like spending time in there. Yeah, I, I just kind of check around. I check the curiosity and I check my quarters where my he mom was, is. He was not in the curiosity when... Konos and actually checked it out earlier that day or the day before, or whatever. Yeah. Um, he, he's with Rayla. Of course. That was going to be my other guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't open the door, but I kind of lean in and try to hear what they're talking about. 
roll a perception check. <laughs> perception. Not as good. 12. Uh, they just seem like they're chatting about gossip almost. Like, how do you... How do you mend a sail? Who's the best sailor on board the ship right now? Uh, who was the last person in the crow's nest? They're almost playing like an I spy kind of game, right? Yeah. Yeah, like do, like doing mental exercises almost. Knock. <laughs> Come in. Hey, Blacksley. What now? We got some questions. Oh, great. I knew this was coming. Fine, ask away. Why don't you and my mom meet us down below? We're going to have a group meeting. Oh, you want me to come too? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm finally being invited to a group meeting, Blacksley. We're making progress. She kind of elbows him. (laughs) I leave. (laughs) (laughs) He laughs a little bit. Where are you having this group meeting at? <laughs> Probably just below deck, somewhere quiet, maybe by the curiosity. Okay. All right. So they come in and they sit down. Three Konos sits, follow your mom. Kono sits as far away from uh, Emmerin's mother as possible. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because the last time. Oh, it's fine. Uh, last time we we interacted, it didn't go well. Yeah. Uh, Konos, when you look at Blacksley, mm-hmm. you see that he his skin looks a lot grayer than it used to. A lot more sunken in. He almost looks. Uh. His hair is sort of whiter. Um, he looks he looks more uh, unhealthy, I guess is a way to say it. But he didn't look like that to you before. He just looked like a, a sort of more dull or whatever version of Axley. But now he looks sort of more gray-skinned and more white-haired and, yeah. His his cheeks are kind of sunken in now, and he's he looks kind of emaciated to you. All right, I'll use my telepathy to communicate with Axley and say, "Hey, does this Blacksley seem look a little different to you? Does he look unwell to you? How does he look to me? Just like he always has. I don't notice any different that I difference that I can tell. Like, what are you seeing? He looks like he's sick." Kind of withering. I, I don't see that. It looks he looks similar to when we discovered him. Interesting. I'll keep an I'll keep an eye on him. Are you seeing that through your coral eye? Um, am I? Is that is that what's is that what I'm seeing? Mm-hmm. Yes. Does anybody else look different um, through this thing? Nope. Hmm. The Pelker have a glow. Mm-hmm. 
what oh, what yeah. color what color is the glow? Golden. Oh. Mm. I thought you were gonna say purple. <laughs> that would have been a problem. That would have been an issue. <laughs> so Black Sleet while what what exactly are you doing here? We haven't like actually sat down and like talked about this. What are you doing here? I don't know. Axley called me. That's all I know. Okay. When you say called. I keep telling you to give me the task, but you won't do it. Is there a task you're expecting? Do you know what it is? If I did, I wouldn't need you to tell me. I'd just go do it. Okay, but you say call you. Blacksley just, I mean, Axley just introduced himself as you, and then you just decided to show up. He called me. No, he said he was you. No, he called me into existence. That's not how that works. I woke up when he called me. When he spoke your name. Yeah. Were you asleep? Yeah, the sleep of sleeps. You were dead. Well, yes. Hmm. What were you before? Do you have any memories of before? Before what? Before Before you were aware of being Blacksley. I remember coldness for a long time. Visitors Guild, what was that? When when was that? It is now. So actually waking you up and current time, you are part of the Inquisitors Guild? What do you mean? All I know is it's a thing that exists. Oh, you weren't a part of it. I am a part of it. What's your What's your role within the Inquisitor's Guild? What's your job there? I'm the leader. Duh. That's what Axley said. That was just a I'm cover like, story I made up oh, to, to try to get through gar- past the guards. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it's true. So you're saying that this made-up story that actually made up on the spot is now true because he said so? Yeah, I guess. I looked at Axley. Did mm. are you some kind of god and you did for, just forgot to tell us? <laughs> <laughs> Does it, do you think this has something to do with us being specifically in the dark plateau and? Where the Raven Queen resides? Yeah. 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 I mean, this seems kind of kind of in the neighborhood of pulling souls out of That's their, exactly their limbo state. Uh, like summoning them forth and putting them into another form. Oh, I wasn't summoned like that. I was 
I was already summoned by the queen. And what did I was she- just waiting. So wait a minute. Do you have like, were you a kid? Yes. <laughs> Where did you grow up? Oh, I don't remember. What year Probably was it? Probably somewhere with green hills and <sighs> with lots of underground homes. Green hills. In Probably the, in a shire or something. Uh-huh. In the dark plateau. No, of course not. Oh, you're weird. Then I died, and then I was uh-huh. set aside. And then Axley called me. So here I am. So... The Raven Queen set you aside for a particular task. And when Axley called on you for a task, you showed up. Yes. Okay. That makes but was, sense. Was like, Blacksley your real name, Chilling Quest? I don't know. All I know is my name now. Okay. Do you remember how you died? Mm, nah, doesn't really matter, does it? Mm, at this point, probably better not to remember, to be fair. Probably wasn't pleasant. Dying never is. And I was either really good or she wasn't sure. Because I got set aside. So I'm either so good I get picked for a task or, well, maybe I'm, it's unsure, it's unclear. So maybe I'll do a task. Prove myself. Hmm. Are you feeling all right, by the way? Because you you look a little unwell. Fine. This is how I always am. I don't age. Do I believe him? Yeah. Okay. Do you need to eat and sleep? Mm, no. I mean, I can do it, but it's not really necessary. I'm not really all here. Are you like some form of undead? Mm, I guess. I don't really rot, so something preserves my body. You know, I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Interesting. So, and you don't know why you're here. Not until I get my task. But we don't know so, what your task is either. Well, I guess and I you have don't, to figure it out. You don't currently have a task from the Raven Queen. If I did, I'd be doing it. Hmm. Apparently, whatever you brought made her think that I'm needed. Hmm. I mean, to be fair, we've done some stuff. And like from what we've been getting like recently, there seems to be some kind of issue with souls right now. And maybe that's why the Raven Queen sent someone to help us. I mean, she's also been like constantly watching us since then. And I just glance at wherever the freak the Raven is. <laughs> <laughs> On the back of Otto, probably. Yeah, that's something. That's a question we didn't answer, right? Is the Raven Queen n- aware of Laralex's plan, or at all assisting in it, or 
would would she be against it if she knew? I think she's against it. I mean, you saw the reaction the goblins had when like the raven chased them and they were like, oh no, not again. She's after us. Mm, yes. <laughs> so like I think she's aware. She just can't necessarily do things because she's got other shit to do. I mean, gods and all that, you know? Can't be bothered with a few blue goblins in your temple. Or maybe she's a prisoner and Laralac has her prisoner and she can only act through that raven. And Blacksley, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, maybe she's doing the little she can to try to undermine him. And I can't imagine she's very happy about what all is happening. Yeah, she's the one who's supposed to be in charge of overseeing what happens to souls and where they go if they're being usurped from underneath her. Yeah. Mom, you mentioned Black wanting to trap Goras. Correct? Would it be possible that he has trapped the Raven Queen? Or could... I don't know, I suppose. I don't know how that works. We know we're missing information, so when we get to Calport, our main goal is to find out as much as we can about as much as we need to. So, I mean, we can all take parts of the library and just scour the library. But maybe Blacksley would be a good person to ask locals, give him an assignment, ask around about who's been through, what's been happening, just get general information about the state of Calport. Because we know if they have refugee camps already, things are getting bad fast. So maybe he could be a good person to kind of scout around for information. We could also have him ask a question in the book of proofs and see what name comes up. Yeah, that's a good idea. That would be interesting. I don't know if he's able to at least find out maybe his like name before he died. Does someone want to, I was going to say, does someone want to write in the book of proofs? Who hasn't? You haven't. I haven't. Okay, what do I write? So you don't want Blacksley to write in it? Or what does Blacksley write? Either way, I don't really care. Well, we could have him write that the Raven Queen has been captured by Laralac. That's an option. Mm. Yeah, that would be a good one. Especially if uh, we have... Chilling Quest do it. Yeah. Or at least maybe a little more vague if that he's Laralek is exerting his will or somehow control over the Raven Queen. Because capture might not be the literal mm. truth. 
right? What if, uh, what about Lairalak stole control of souls from the Raven Queen? That would be interesting. Stolen her power somehow. But we also don't know if Lairalak is like the true mastermind behind all of it. That's true. It might be that thing he's reporting to. Well, we don't have a name for that thing. Sure right. we do. We do? Mm-hmm. Konos? Uh, I'm looking. <laughs> Take a look at the very first major piece of information you got. What was the very first major piece of information that you got? Going back how far? Like, there, first session? Um, in, yeah. in the... Uh, Third session, maybe. First session where you were all together. Are we talking about Ian Tarsus at this point? Nope. I'm thinking like all the 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 gibberish, like the well of a seed, seek the well of a seed, all that that all that stuff. Oh. Remember what the what they used to say to you? They used to say Shamasa, show us your Shamasa, show us your bounty, yeah. And then where's um, Shamasa on that? On that ritual description, where is Shamasa? Literally everywhere. Yeah, yeah, but what's always after it? (laughs) Well, the Well of Hasit. Shamasa Hasit. Yeah. The Well of Hasit. What about it? We know that the... Well, we're figuring the Well of Hasit is an actual place. That's where where Lerolak is, as well as the lead howler. So do you think it's called Well of Hasit because the howler is called Hasit? Or is it just Shamasa Hasit is the name? I also just in character feel really weird saying that name. It feels like I'm just gonna like you say it three times and he's gonna show up. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> it's not Candyman. <laughs> it's, not, it's not Beetlejuice. <laughs> To be fair, it's five times in the chant, so yeah, not three times. So just don't say it five times. But we could use that name. I mean, we could. Or we can just generalize it and say that souls have been taken from the Raven Queen. Control of the souls have been taken from the Raven Queen. Yeah, and we can just omit the name altogether. If I it's going to be fair, really nitpicky about it, I don't know how. But does that statement tell you any more information than you already know? Not really. I mean, it confirms that right. she's no. Right. But I mean, yes, no to, to, the fact that we already turned a couple of the blue goblins into people who apparently have revived souls, so they're revived souls means that, yes, we know for a fact that somehow he's taking these souls and making them be reborn into these creatures. Yeah. So we already know the answer to that. Right. What we don't know is what... Ow. Well, he probably controls the soul spire. We have to find out where the soul spire is. Or how to get it. Does it Kronos now? 
Sort yeah, kind I of. I mean, he, yeah, I mean, I know, hard, I know. he has a hard time telling you how to get there is the problem. Right. Yeah. But ideally he could lead us. Yes. Well, with the gate spell at the very least. Right. So are you going to write a statement in the book and who is going to write it? I mean, so if we move away from the whole Raven Queen thing and move back to just the sinking in general, like our overarching goal, Goras said something very not straightforward. Because I asked... So the White Axiom would destroy the common plateau, but not in the way I think it will be destroyed. So I kind of don't want to go that route. The plateau won't be destroyed if we don't do anything, but we might not. It might not be inhabitable. All right, the question so is, maybe, what is what does destroyed look like? What does that really right, mean? Right. It wasn't. It wasn't a very well worded question, but nonetheless, Honestly, when goes, you asked a question of the book, it said that the person who wrote it was Volum? Yes. Hey, Volum, really quick, why did your name appear when I wrote in the Book of Proofs? Um, probably because I'm here. Okay, but... Yeah, but I was the one who wrote the question. Yeah, but... I guess maybe my essence is more powerful than yours right now. <laughs> you were, I was right there. I don't know. That's not it. Volum, do you have like a soul? Of course I do. What do you mean? Like a whole soul? You're like a soul in a, in a, in a weapon? Well, maybe not whole, but. What do you mean by maybe not whole? Well, I'm not whole. I, most of my soul is here. But you said you had siblings. Could those be other pieces of you? And siblings. I have pieces of my siblings in me, too. We need to be reunited. And and, and you said you're. Because Kono's told us about the whole like timeless thing or is that something yeah. we don't know? I would have I, I would have shared all this. So like have you always been a trident? Or is there a point in time where you don't remember being a like all timey thing? I I was a person. I was a person. Of course I was. So were my siblings. Can the same soul be in, like, two places at once? I mean... So in the case of this world and the sentient item, remember, it has at least a part of a soul in it. And probably only one of the areas where this you know so bolum is active he's not active in two places at once he's only active in the trident but part mm -hmm. of his soul could be in another place which is why he says his soul is not complete it's not whole 
and he's got fragments of other souls bound bound with him. Right, his siblings. This so, is getting what very if metaphysical. Konos's soul is also Volum, and that's why the book says that Konos is Volum, because that's like the true nature of his soul. Wait, you're saying I'm a part of this, or it's a part of me? What if the book shows that leader's name because my soul is the reincarnation of that Lutrinian leader? And that's why the sword works for me. Thanks. So if that were true for me, then the fact that it says Volum for Konos means that Konos's soul is actually Volum. Like or, maybe it shows the first name of that soul's like life. But I had a mortal life and then I died along with my brothers and sisters because of that bastard. Which one? Um, uh, so many names. Uh, King Ian Tarsus. I'm running out of note pages. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait, King, that was when Tarsus killed you? So you were a tiefling? No. He sold uh-huh. my brothers uh-huh. and sisters and I. Oh, great. Into slavery. With a demon. Hey, oh, congratulations, the- Konos. You have the soul of a <laughs> goddess's children. <laughs> in his in his quarters, Konos has basically had like one of those you know pegboards with like you know all the strings going conspiracy <laughs> yeah. strings going all over the way. He's like, he's like, I'm gonna have to just tear the whole thing down and rearrange it. It's gonna, it's gonna look like the world's craziest spider web in, in an hour or so. I appreciate that Marcel is the guy who's like, I've got it, I've figured it out. <laughs> Everyone else is like, No, you haven't. <laughs> oh my god. Like, I feel like we have, like, the puzzle pieces. They're just, like, not lining up. Right. And Until then I we get, like, a reveal like this. In. Like, this is yeah. how it works, guys. And everyone's like... <laughs> okay, that's that's a new one. So now what question do you want to put in the book? <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, jeez. <laughs> All of them. Oh, God. <sighs> I have a question for the book that we could do. Konos' soul is Volum. Well, let's I make mean, sure we spell it right, first of all. Good. Or somehow, like, Konos's, Konos and Volum are the same soul. I'll, I'll try writing something. Um, Wait, do you want to write it, or do you want to have Blacksley write it? We can have Blacksley write it. Well, what's the what's the larger? I mean, we don't want to zero in too far, right? We want to try to answer one of our larger, pivotal questions. Yeah, yeah I mean, this, sure this, this is like steering one of those big three D puzzles and just getting a migraine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
See, this is the temp. This is by infinite knowledge is a temptation. You get so so focused on on that things like that. It's like you everything else just gets obscured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, big things would be like: Do we want to try to narrow down or rule out that the coral needs to be returned to the lake? To I think we know that that's a true answer. We need to return the coral to the lake to plug the hole. But we don't know if it'll reverse the sinking. No. We know it wants to go back there, but we don't know ultimately what the effect will be. Is that or does that help right. us in our objective, or is that just something that it wants? I mean, it helps I mean, me. That, that, it helps that's... you. It it might actually stop the whole like souls being in control of the bad guys. I thought it was a very literal, like the water's flowing out, and that's why we have so much water in the main right. plane. But apparently, yeah. the, yeah. the it was more of a like sea, like a, a, it's not water, it's souls. Uh, no, that part's true too. Okay, all right, so it's both. Well, I based, guess this based be- on what what Konos read about the Blue Gate and it becoming a rift, mm-hmm. right. And possibly being a so it's a mix of both, like water to hold the souls kind of deal. Well, uh, now you're just conflating. Yeah, the threefold lake is a lake of souls. Yeah, but it also is the location of the spire, which is the the focal point of the souls. Right, the spire pours into it. Right. Yeah, and we know that that the spire is pouring into the threefold lake is souls, not water right mm. well and the spire is the realm of the raven queen who we know is somehow if not doing it voluntarily i mean the, his lair was underneath her her, her temple or one of his yeah lairs. her temple so that's there's a reason for that either it's that's how he infiltrated and then controlled her from there or he was allowed to operate from there question then so, story. Delencia was the Queen of Souls. Is that the dwarven name for the Raven Queen, or are those two different deities? No, that's two different people. Okay. Delencia, the Queen of Souls. That's what they call her. Right. But she, and then the Raven she's Queen. Not is- a, she's not necessarily a deity, right? That's just what they refer to her as. Oh, okay. The Raven Queen is definitely a deity. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure what we're going to write in the book. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, we're going to Calport. There's the other question of we're supposed to still find like maybe the other rifts or like portals or we found one in the mud temple, but and we've dealt with it. Right. What if we tried, like, aiming our our next thing at the book to narrow down where the others are? Because if it's related to rifts, maybe we need to locate and close those rifts. That might help us a bit more than asking if uh, Volum and Konos share a soul. Right. Not so how do we word that? But... <laughs> how do we word that as a phrase and not a question. Because <laughs> mm. then we have to like kind of specifically pinpoint like the rift is here. 
kind of thing. Yeah. Or the yeah. rift can be closed by doing X. Right. Well, I don't think we need to worry about how to close them. We kind of sort of already did do it once. Uh, what if we say that one of the rifts is on that island with all the ruins and stuff? If we can get the answer before we get there, we can decide if we want to like detour before did, getting did to teleport or not. That's a good idea. So we possibly could write something. You know, there is a rift, a rift to the blue plateau on this island at these these map coordinates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I guess we could try being. I I guess we could try being a bit more vague in terms of rift. We because it might be a gate and not a rift. Oh yeah. There is something. A connection to. A con- yeah. like a con- yeah, yeah a connection to. Uh, to another plateau. Right. On this island. Yeah, that would work. Because we know that all of the connections to the other plateaus were kind of jury-rigged to the blue plateau. So finding some kind of rift, gate, ladder, whatever the heck uh, might be good. And if there isn't, then we know that we don't have to worry about going in that direction and we can just keep going to Calport. That sounds good to me, honestly. Okay, so there is a connection to another plateau on the island at coordinates XYZ. Yeah. And you're going to have yeah. Blacksley write that. Axley, yep. what do you think? Well, do you want to say at that location or in the vicinity of? Because then if it's not exact, if the coordinates are a little off. Because the islands are moving? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With, within 100 miles, 50 miles, something like that. Yeah. yeah within, 100, within 100 miles, there's quite a few other things that could possibly be there. Yeah. I mean, we're only looking for a rift, so. But uh, how wide is a locate object spell? 1,000 feet. 1,000 feet. So within 1,000 feet of the island? Sure. The island itself is more than a thousand feet, but it's, okay. it's either on it's the island there. or within a thousand feet right. of the island. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're asking or, about this island specifically, not like. I think we have the right coordinates because we already like remapped the, the the coordinates according to our knowledge of yeah. things being. Spaced but though, out. that's only as good as the previous map was accurate. Oh, absolutely! Right. Yeah. Your accuracy is good, but the other, so you're you're counting on that being correct. But so, but is is Axley okay with Blacksley writing that as the statement? Sure. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so he writes it, and it starts scribbling, and it doesn't take it very long. It only takes it about an hour. Oh, I'll see. And it says, this statement is false. Well, that saved us a lot of time. (laughs) What's the name? (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. That's the part Marcel wanted to know the most. (laughs) Yeah, Uh yeah. DM will make you pay for that. (laughs) Cornelius Adram. 
the f- no no frigging house of Adrum. God damn it. <laughs> oh my god what <laughs> okay neat <laughs> I knew the name was more important than the question. (laughs) (laughs) Well played. (laughs) What? God, we had too many of these this session. (laughs) That's what she said last session, too. (laughs) God. Oh, my God. Okay, so let's fast forward a little bit because it's already been three and a half hours. Okay. So we're going to fast forward to you coming into Calport. Uh, yeah, if, we did do a beeline for it. Yeah, if <laughs> mm-hmm. if if there's something that you think of, like in the next week or whatever, be- between our next game, whether it's a week or two weeks away, whatever, um, that you would have liked to have done on the last several days of the voyage, that's fine. Just send me an email or post it in Discord, and we can have a conversation about that, and then we can sort of make some decisions, and then either recap it or play it out at the beginning of next mission. Okay. So I don't, I don't want to cut anybody short, but I do want to just give you the little vignette scene as you're coming into Calport. Cause this is where we'll end. And then we'll maybe do like a 10 minute debrief for the end of this episode. And then we'll, and then we'll go. So as you come into the Island, as you come into the Calport area, you see that the, um, the city as you're, as you're bringing the ship up, um, you you get stopped at the docks uh, far out from the docks as you're coming toward the town um a a small boat a, a ship comes out to meet you um and they stop and they uh send over a messenger that is brings aboard this in, uh, this listing of rules regarding Calport, and I will uh, display it on the screen here for anybody who might possibly be watching. And basically, what it says is this Before you get to dock, you must agree to the following. It says, Within Calport city walls, no teleportation, no casting in public, no concealed weaponry, no open deity worship, no fighting excepting designated areas. No fighting, excepting sanctioned duels. And it says, it says, by order of the captain, Lord Tobik, Baron of Jinnuk, steward of Welltusk, enforced by the Queen's decree. Oh, boy. And Hmm. you are basically told, without any fanfare, that you must, you and all of your ships must agree to this before you can port. And if there is anyone sick, you must port at the far north dock, and the people that are on that ship will be sequestered and quarantined until it can be ascertained that whatever sickness they have is not contagious to the other people in the city. By this point, since we've been traveling for so many days... Do we still have sick people left, or do we only have dead people and recovered people? Well, y- you have. Uh, well, so Imran only healed people that had no crab pieces, and I'm assuming Konos did not polymorph all of those people and cause them no. to die. No, he wouldn't have done that. Which means Shark Face's ship has sick people on it. 
So did we ever try to? Did Emran ever try to uh, do remove curse on Sharkface? Sharkface does not. Want Sharkface doesn't want his curse removed. Oh. His went off without a hitch. He has no problem. Yeah. He is a full-on controllable right. hybrid shark. Right. I mean, would Emran want to try that on the other sick people? Like, they have two options right now, as far as at least I see it. You either help them die and not continue suffering. Well, how long would they last? I mean, Lucanius has lasted a long freaking time. Like, some of these people, like, if we can find something, we might be able to save a couple of them. Not all okay, of them. So, in that case, we still have sick people, and that ship has to go to the north. Yeah, I say we have, we send Sharkface to the north. Everything else is fine. As I tuck my the symbol hawk. into my tunic. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, the Haka are driving Sharkface's ship. Yeah. They're manning his ship, which means that part of them will be sequestered as well. Right. So I'll, inst- I'll instruct the Hukka, essentially, you know, these are these are the rules we have to abide by while we're here. Some of them will have to remain on Sharkface's ship for the time being. At least they're not doing it for all the ships. Because <laughs> you don't want to be in the refugee camp for two weeks? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um... I guess we can agree to the rest. I mean, it's not like we're casting. Now, like, no <laughs> casting? Like, I send a quick no message casting. to my dad. No casting in public. No casting in public. Right. So people can cast in their in the privacy of their own homes. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah that would suck. Imagine not being able to use prestidigitation to turn on and off the lights. <laughs> Wait, that's thaumaturgy. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> So when you dock, the dock watch immediately comes to your ship. Oh, you're going to call your dad, Imran? <laughs> so yeah, I just going. quickly... You're going to whip out your iPhone and... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, you're going to do a message? Yeah. Quick sending. Hey, dad, we're here. Are you still in the quarantine camp or are you out in the city we're still in the refugee area okay that's what i wanted to know so uh when you dock um they they actually do the intake for shark faces ship first he's in sure. full human full human form by the way he never he doesn't yeah. have a shark on them okay right. Um, he doesn't go shark on them right Uh, and um, then you all dock Uh and when you dock there are guards waiting as you're going to get off of the ship that seems a bit more fancy than necessary and uh, the um, one of the one of the guards these two guards are wearing um, like full, well, let me put it this way. In fact, you don't even have to guess because as you are about to come down the, or, or come down to the dock from the ship, one of the regular sort of dock worker people says, uh, on your best behavior, that's, that's the elite guard. 
Why are they here? And one of them steps forward and says, we have it on good authority that there is royalty aboard this ship. (laughs) We request the presence of the main crew and the royal with the queen. We shall escort you. (sighs) The queens are waiting. I suggest you do not make them wait overly long. Oh, crap. And he, he, she bows. It's actually a woman. In fact, both of the elite guards are women. How did you know? <laughs> Where did you, how did you come yeah. in to be in, come, to, come by this information? The yeah. captain of that vessel over there. Oh, God oh, bless. I am so gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Is he pointing at shark face and ship? He was complaining loudly that we shouldn't be sequestering his vehicle because, after all, this is royal contingent. Oh, boy. (laughs) As the queens do not wish to unduly upset a royal contingent, we would ask that your entourage follow us. Great. Lead on, Marcel. Well, I guess we're going. So we also have a chieftain. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, you learn as you are being escorted to the royal palace. You learn the names of the queens, and this is where we'll end. Uh, one of the queens' names is Remethis. R-E-M-E-T-H-I-S. And the other one is Queen Delincia. Of course it is. Damn. Because of course it is. Of course it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Marcel is like, and I'm wearing like General Sailor's <laughs> outfit. Great. <laughs> Let's go meet the queens. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll stop there. Everything's With connecting. Giant web of spider web oh connection. This is madness, and I'm loving every second of it. Honestly, <laughs> I feel like it's going to come to a point where, like, we we we. It's like we solve the mystery, and I'm just going to feel like I'm an idiot for for missing like everything of importance. <laughs> well, you know, the thing and, and it's like and, and you see, like it was sitting there for you the whole time. Yeah. Like, I know, but it's just, like it's it's never sunk in. If we'd only this is get actually, here. yeah, this is actually a, a great debrief topic, though, because in fact, on the last behind the DM screen, which is one of the podcasts I'm on on the Tome Show Network, um, one of the listeners asked, "How do you let the players know about a villain or an important NPC without, like, making them fight early on, or without having an actual incident?" how do you give them the information also without having it so that the villain has to do like a villain monologue, you know, to tell the players, like how do you fit in all the clues and all the information so that the players know enough to really sort of figure something out so that they don't have to get the villainous monologue at the end and finally learn everything. Like how, so I think it's a great debrief topic as well because um, my answer, and you are all feeling this, my answer is just spew the clues, spew everything. Every chance you get, everything you find has something to do with something, right? You found a little nutcracker crab claw breaker thing 
it has entarsis on it, right? Like, what the hell is that? Okay, well, that's related to something. You go somewhere, it's related to something, right? You accidentally shipwreck somewhere, now it's something that's related to everything has to happen, right? So that that's my answer to that, that I just throw so many clues at you, so many names, so many pieces of information, so many that it doesn't matter if you don't get 80% of it. Because eventually, enough of it will build up that you do remember that you'll be able to start piecing stuff together. And by the time the sort of climax of the whole thing happens, you'll have gotten the clues little by little over time. And you'll have gotten so many that you feel like you figured it out, right? That's, that's the way to do it. If I hide every clue from you and you have to strive really, really hard to just find the clues, not even putting it together, but just finding the clue, then how will you ever find the clues? Because Look, I'm a player in games too. I know how it is. Two weeks pass, three weeks pass, and we don't have a session. How the heck am I supposed to remember every single thing that came out of the DM's mouth? Like the DM has it all in there or in a book or in the notes, and they know exactly what's going on. The players don't know. That's the whole point of the game is to give them enough clues that they can hang themselves. I mean, figure it out. Uh, (laughs) Right? So, you know what I'm saying, right? That, that's my answer, and that's not the way everybody does it, and it's usually not the way that published products are laid out, right? Like, published products are usually laid out, well, the party has to talk to this person to find this thing out. And the way I do it is you can talk to five or six different people or have five or six different interactions with objects that where you could find that information, right, or something related to that information, because that way you can just get steeped in all the crap that's going on. And some of it's going to feel like it doesn't matter or it's a red herring or whatever, but it's okay because eventually enough things will happen over and over that they start sticking. And then you feel like you're figuring stuff out. Mm. And that well, like feels a, like, more fun than withholding information, you know? Yeah. Like, well, like a movie, right? A movie ha- has a designed reveal point. Like the movie doesn't want everyone to know right after the credits, they, they run intro credits what's happening and then the entire movie you know right so so they're using a whole bunch of tricks of very orchestrated you know reveals of information up to a point where they're trying to control the actual point in which the audience goes oh okay and everyone at once realizes it but you can't do you can't control you don't have that level of control in role playing in a role playing game right cuz you 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 don't it's not all scripted when all the information is going to come out and what the players deduce from it what they chase down so it's, it's it's much more challenging. Like, yeah, because how do you, do you... So you don't think there's anything that wrong with... It's better to figure it out early than late. I mean, so if, we, if you consider it, what's the drawback of figuring it out early, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, you have I a could clear have, picture of what you want to do. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I could have said, no, uh, it, the book doesn't let Blacksley write in it. Sure. Uh-huh. Right? Like, I don't want you to find out he's a House of Adrum member, or he was. Uh-huh. House of Adrian member until way later when it might make a big impact and have something, you know, when you're making a decision, but well, it might make an impact now because now it's going to affect the future decisions. Cause you know that he somehow in his past life, he had like, maybe that's why the Raven queen chose him. Mm. You know, yeah. what did he tell you right before that? He said, well, either I was really good and I deserved to be chosen by her or I was kind of, eh, I'm on the line and I need to redeem myself. I don't really know because I don't really have very many memories of it. It also gives us the tools to decide whether we really want to trust him 
with this knowledge because before we don't know who he is now we know at least some of his backstory so it's like okay knowing that how much can we trust him and how what do we want to trust him with and like i feel like yeah giving more information is not not bad because i mean you're you're climax for for a campaign it shouldn't be something that depends on that surprise element if the surprise is the big thing then maybe try working on it some more <laughs> yeah i mean some so just to be clear some games that are designed like that they can be okay if you know that it's a very specific like sometimes some one shots do that right like if you're doing a Investigation at the end, the climax is you finally figure out who did it, right? Or what? Um, like that's fine. But if we're look, this is session like twenty two or something, right? Like now in podcast time, it's going to be like thirty two or something because I started making them one hour long, right? But but overall, this is like our twenty second three hour session or four hours now. Um, that's a long time. If if you didn't know anything so far you've just been kind of on a boat trying to get to calport because they have a big library like you would be like it just it, you know it's better to give you more information because then you can decide what you want to do with it like it builds I, I, up stakes which is what makes yeah. role playing interesting i think that's yeah. the main point like sure yeah. you start in ignorance and i'm kind of thinking of like one of the newer uh things that i'm running with two of you guys and, like, mm-hmm. the whole idea is, yeah, you start from a place where the characters know nothing. But for the characters to get involved in the end game, you have to start letting them figure out a bunch of information mm-hmm. so that it gives them, the like, a reason to continue on the journey of, like, the hero's journey that we're all playing by playing this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it and even happens in, say, I don't know, like, Tyranny of Dragons, mm-hmm. which is another campaign that I've actually read. Like, sure, it's a module, so there, there, there's a bit more railroading in terms of where the information mm-hmm. is. But you have to build that stake for the character to care about continuing mm-hmm. on that railroad to begin with. And not, you know, right. I'm just going to go off and, and save these people from some goblins instead because mm-hmm. I don't care about dragons. <laughs> and no one ever <laughs> yeah right and there you know there's the there's another aspect of that too and that is like if i hide everything until the very end it's not just not meaningful right, right. it's just not meaningful and and then there's the another so then there's a third aspect and that is for example Imran's character who started out as she wanted to find her mom that was her main goal well now we found her right so i had a decision to make I could have let you guys find her and had her be 100% okay. There's nothing wrong with her. She has her full memories. Um, Larilac didn't do anything to her other than use her as, I mean, he kidnapped her, right? But he didn't like mess up her brain or mess with her memory or make her psychologically distressed enough that she now has issues, right? Or I could say, well, what would a person be like if they got kidnapped by a big bad evil dude? And even though she was rescued and it was by someone that she loves and she's still sort of, you know, whatever, but there's obviously some issues there that need to be resolved for her. So, so my choice was either make her totally fine and there's nothing wrong. And, you know, like I've played in games where you rescue a bunch of prisoners and they're like, just fine. And it's kind of like, really, they're just fine. Like, 
I don't know, they were tortured and, you know, like, I don't think they'd be just fine. Like maybe after a while, but right when you rescue them, they might have adrenaline and they can fight, but no, they're not fine. Like yeah. nobody's fine after that. Right. Like that, that's not kind of how it works. Right. So Listen, that's the way you resolve it. Then they immediately lose their relevance shortly right. after that. Exactly. Yeah. Then she would just go away and it wouldn't make any difference. And then where would Imran's character be? Okay. Well, I may, I did my major task. <laughs> well, now what do I care about? Like, you know, like, do, do I care about maybe trying to go figure the rest of this out with you guys? Or should I go back with my mom to Traston Finn and try to make everything okay with my dad and try to heal my mom? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so there's some there's some decision points in there from as a DM where I had to also weave in enough information that Imran would still be hooked and still have a need to do something else after her mom was rescued. Cause I knew that that was going to happen relatively early in the, in the game that she was going to be rescued. Right. Cause I knew where she was and I knew you guys could find her. Um, yeah. you know, so, I mean, it's, it's a, I don't know. It's, a, it's. Uh, so my, my rule of thumb is always for new DMs. I, I, this is what I always tell them. If you think you're being subtle, you're being too subtle. Right. Because, you being subtle means you're not telling the players anything, right? Because they just won't catch it. They don't know what's in your brain. They're they're busy thinking about their character, and all they get is what you tell them. So if you think you're being subtle or if you're considering being subtle, you're being way too subtle. If you think you're barely being subtle, you're being too subtle. Just put it out in front of them. You don't have to make it hidden at all. Right. And and to be fair, like as players, it's really hard to catch on to su subtle things because yeah. yeah, you don't know the whole thing that's building up. Right. So right. you have to kind of the subtle thing has to be a really big mallet with which you mm -hmm. hit your players right. over the head yeah. with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. as exactly. subtle as you yeah. can be. Yeah. More than once. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's what I mean. Like I and I don't mean it as a oh, all players are dumb. That's not what I'm saying at all. No. What I'm saying is and this is why I always suggest that every DM be a player at some point in time because you have to know what it feels like to be sitting at the, at the table yeah. and not really understanding what's going on and you don't even know what question to ask like yeah. none, not a single yeah. one of you thought of asking Blacksley about the house of adram no. and for good reason you had no reason to think they were connected right yeah. <laughs> which is why that was a reveal yeah. right mm -hmm. and now yeah. now you might have some questions right but, <laughs> but so but you know what i mean like so that was on that was on purpose but you I, there was nothing to tell you that you should be asking him that question, right? Mm -hmm. And I knew that, and it wasn't important at the time, so I just didn't, you know, right? I, I could have had that reveal a long time ago. It doesn't really matter, yeah. right? Um, you know, the, the, other, the other thing is, like, from a player's perspective, it's so hard to know what detail is supposed to be picked up on. Yes. Like, what, like how, how am I supposed to know that you, you know, that name was on a piece of paper? Okay. Yeah. So what? A long time ago, right? Unless that keeps coming up from the DM, that player is not going to catch on. Yeah. So not along with being not subtle, right? That that hitting with a hammer thing. What we mean is say that thing many times, and you don't have to say, "Look, guys, this is an important clue," but you can say, "You just found another note," or "This person over here told you." Ooh, I've heard of that name, or "Oh, that sounds like a you know whatever such and such." If they know about it and it keeps coming up, there might be something to it. And eventually, 
the players will catch on, but don't expect them to catch on with the first clue. No player is going to do that. No one is. I, mean, I don't. Yeah. And you have the different type of players, right? You have the player like Nina who writes down everything and has a bunch of notes, and then you have people who the only thing they wrote down was the quirky one-liner that yeah. they did during the session. <laughs> <laughs> And yes. you have to, I'm not calling anyone out there. It's just uh, something <laughs> I maybe do. Anyways. <laughs> so you Only have to I kind of it. like, yeah, Only that's why you have to keep. Lost in my own notes. <laughs> There's too much to sort through, even with word searching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, actually what comes to mind, it's interesting. I was thinking, just thinking as you were, you're saying that, Sam, and I was thinking from the player perspective and it's like, it's easy to hide subtlety in a game where it's all subtlety. I mean, really, mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, there's so much that's inferred and not spoken that builds the world. And so mm-hmm. it's, I, here's what I thought of. I thought of as the, as the dungeon master, you have the blueprints and you can, you can see the entire house, right? And as players, we just see the frame being constructed. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. so it's really difficult from the, you know, from the player perspective to, yeah, it's to see that one thing, that one stick go in and you go, oh, that's the one I need to focus on. It just gets lost and everything else that hasn't been perfectly mm-hmm. fleshed out. But from the, the DM side, you know, you might think, oh, I, I gave them exactly what they needed. How come they mm-hmm. can't see it? Right, right. I gave them every yeah. single clue once. Mm-hmm one time and in perfect order. So they should be able to put the whole entire puzzle together. And then never, and then never refer to any of them again. Never refer to it again. Yeah. And never really tell, know the importance. So the other thing that, that also intersects with this that I was thinking of was the world knowledge part of it. Right. Like, like I think also one of the difficulties of being a DM is being able to decide to tell the players something their character knows just because the character lives in that world. Yeah. Right. Like, like in terms of Axley, I did it this session. I said, Axley probably knows that notation that you're talking about because he's a lore master, right? Like his whole idea is he just wants to learn. And so he's been studying this entire game, right? His character, every moment that he gets, he's been trying to study all of the lore of the stuff that he's been exposed to, right? Like this is his dream was to get off that stupid island and come find out more stuff about the world that's important. And so he's been thinking about stuff and writing stuff down and reading stuff and all that stuff, okay? So it makes sense that his character, having grown up in the world and having now studied a whole bunch of stuff for the purposes of just learning the lore, would know about that timing, would know about the role of years and the the way that the years are named and all of that stuff where you guys might know some of it but maybe not in as much detail you might know there were two wars before or you might know that it was you know in the ancient past like more than a thousand years ago or whatever but in terms of like you know that's like me talking about uh you know one of the Roman emperors, like everybody's probably heard of some of the names, but do you really know the actual like history of the details of what happened? No, most people probably don't know that. Right. I would. Yeah. Right. So, but I, so you're not most people, right? So no, no, I used, saying, to, right? I used to be a lot teacher. So, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, there I, you go. Right. <laughs> so, that's, a, that's actually a yeah. great topic for probably embellishing on a future discussion because um, I actually I, I really do appreciate that that you have that perspective of, um, of us as players and and because I've I that's rare I think in most games that I've played I've been frustrated because I feel like I get punished as a player because you know I didn't specifically write down 
like everything in my inventory so that in that moment I don't have something that would be fairly obvious that if I lived in that world it's a it's a fairly you know benign item that's that my character would have but because i didn't list it i don't have it and now i can't do what i wanted to do or you know so i mean yeah how do you well that came up like with with imran this time with the incense right like uh-huh. it makes complete sense to me that even she might have some incense but maybe she ran out so she had to ask the haka well obviously they're going to have some Right. And that just makes sense. You know, I think another thing we forget just as people, like how much do you know about the world you live in? You know, an enormous amount about the world. Yeah. There's a lot you don't know for sure. None of us know everything. I, there's a crap ton. I don't know, but I know about my day-to-day life better than anybody. And I know about my town and my region. And I know what it's like to live here. And I know kind of the attitudes of most people, not every single person, right? But most people. And I know the names of local places. I know the names of the roads. I know, you know, what time it gets dark, you know, like I know those things. So why wouldn't my character in a setting also know those things about that setting, right? Unless they, unless in that setting, they just got swept away and moved to a complete new place that they don't know anything about. And that was the basis of the story, then fine. But in terms of what your PC knows, I, I think that's one of the, and I'm not always that great at it either. Like, I think that's a hard thing for DMs and GMs of any system to learn is you have to be able to tell the player what their PC knows just from being alive in that world. Because we don't make an exhaustive, like it's not part of my list of of my prep here to make an exhaustive list of what you know, but you kind of have to on the fly decide, well, would anybody know that? Sure. I don't know. Yeah. I think the takeaway is it's better to have knowledge, more knowledge than keeping things like undercover. It's better to give your players everything that they could possibly know and maybe and even more. go overboard because mm-hmm. it's not a bad thing necessarily. It right. it gives them more tools to play the game in character yeah. better and it's not going to generally backfire there's some chance that something you say might backfire on you but for the most part it's better to overshare than to Mm -hmm. hold your cards too close to your chest yeah because otherwise they're just waiting for the dm to make a move or reveal some stuff and they don't really have yeah you know a call or action to you know to really investigate too much stuff so yeah Yeah, give give them give them more than they know what to do with like 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 tonight tonight we learned you know about ancient wars we learned about (laughs) metaphysics and cosmology have you ever played darwinia by the way sam no i haven't because everything you were talking about with the soul spire and why that that really it it reminded me of that game Mm. the way the way kind of reincarnation in that game works is that a computer game it's yeah it's it's like an old uh pc game that was out maybe 10 10 ish yeah, years ago. No, I know. never played it. Okay. Now I have to look. I'm going to write it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting. I mean, we've talked a lot yeah. about the philosophies of, mm-hmm. of being a dungeon master because every adventure is, is a recipe book that has information in it that's not player knowledge that that it's the responsibility of the the game master mm-hmm. to dole out at certain times to progress the story, right? I mean, if you just blurted all that out in the beginning, it wouldn't be all that fulfilling either. But that, sure. but that's kind of what's missing. There's no philosophy guidance on how to to really do it. It's just kind of assumed that oh, I just I, here's the pages that have all the information. Mm-hmm. Now it's on you to right. create a compelling narrative that the the players navigate through. Yeah, and I and that's that's probably a good place to end because I think that's a difficulty of learning how to be 
a good DM slash GM. And the, the, the problem is, and the reason why there's no sort of real philosophical framework that is, is because every group is different, right? Mm-hmm. Like all four of you are very thinky people, right? <laughs> you're all very, like I could see like when something happens, you're like thinking about, okay, how am I going to process this? How, how is, how does this matter to what's going on? What new clue is this? Is this important? Like you're all thinking about it. You're not just waiting for the next main event so that you can go actively seek out something and kill it. Right. And that's not a statement about which one of those is better or worse, but if there was a different mixture in this group, if if two of my players were very much more combat focused, we would be playing a very different game, right? Mm-hmm. And if two, if 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 all four were all combat focused, it would be a completely different game, even from the second one. So, um, and I would be structuring a different game, right? Like we would be, it, it would it would just play differently. So I yeah. think the reason there's no framework is that it depends on the group makeup. And I think it, that depends on the players. It depends on levels of experience. It depends on how open everybody is talking to each other about their game experience, right? I mean, like, let's face it, not every group sits around like this after their games and talks about this stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. it just doesn't happen as often, I think, as, right? DMs get together, right? And talk about it all the time, right? Yeah. We, we talk about, oh, what happened to this? And what I have this problem? And here's this thing. And I mean, I just told you, I have a podcast called Behind the DM Screen. It's one of the most popular shows. You know, it's kind of a joke that, oh, don't talk about your game. Don't talk about your character. Nobody wants to hear about your game. Except that's one of the most popular shows on that network <laughs> is Behind the DM Screen, I'm- where three of us sit around and talk about our games and what problems we had and what we did to fix it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same thing Matt Colville does with his... Uh, mm-hmm. He does a like behind the scene thing yeah. for his campaign yep. too, and it's yeah. also like I've listened to it because as a DM, you learn so much from hearing other DMs talking mm-hmm. about how they do things. How right. they run their game. But yeah, we just went yeah. through a whole session. I did not roll a single die, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I mean, yeah. I like this kind of game, which is interesting because it does bring up the fact that you you can have an entire game fall apart if you have a mismatch between mm-hmm. the game master and the players, right? Yeah. If a game, if, yeah. if yeah. Uh, it'll it would never work if you had a group of players that wanted to do a more mm-hmm. analytical thinking game and the game master just wants to go to the next encounter right and i mean yeah. that happens within players too like i have groups where some of them are more like a like this group and then i have one or two that are more focused on the combat and i can see them disconnecting when we have a session mm-hmm. like what we had today because right that's not where their main interest in so i have to like bake in some kind of encounter to keep them interested Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just the kind of thing you have to learn on the fly, right? How do I balance my session for my players? Right, I would say it's not necessarily combat. Like I, like I've seen like I've like the variety of like streams like this that I've seen. They tend to go you know, into two ways. They go two directions. Like one is like the more not not necessarily even combat focused, but just you know using all the actual player tools, rolling lots mm-hmm. of dice, using your skills, stuff like that, using player abilities. And then the other one is more just like it's like D and D is kind of like a radio, like an old fifties radio drama type of thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. Like lots of talking, lots of storytelling, not not as much like actual using the mechanical abilities of of, mm-hmm. of your characters or in the mm-hmm. game or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I tend to be a and and this sort of it's sort of how I used to be, and then I evolved into sort of a more modern DM, and now I'm kind of going backwards because what I tend to do is and and depending on who you talk to, this is a modern idea or it's an old school idea, and that is that. You only roll the dice 
if the chance of failure is important, right? Like if, if the chance, if the, if the idea of failure has an interesting outcome, or if the chance is really high and the consequences are important, right? So you don't even bother to roll the dice unless that's the case, right? So when someone says, I look over there if I can see anything, right? You don't even have them roll a perception. You just say, yeah, you see this thing over here, right? Whereas some tables will, you if you say, I want to look over there, roll, roll perception. Mm-hmm. I want to look over there, roll. Oh, are you looking in on the shelf? Roll investigate, you know? And, and that's just how, and I'm not, I'm not, um, this isn't a derogatory statement. I, we're just talking about different types. I like I've played in all kinds. I've run all kinds, and it's all equally fun as long as the group matches, and that's what everybody wants, right? And I tend to favor this type where I try not to make everybody roll for every single thing. I just tell you, and that that's very old school. That's how I started, right? Because in in <laughs> there's a saying in an old school in a basic D and D game, if you're rolling the dice, it's because you did something dumb right you you accidentally opened the thing you're not supposed to look at and now you're rolling a save so you screwed up right mm. um whereas if you <laughs> if you didn't then you're just asking the dm i want to look over there do i see this i'm going to be cautious i'm going to i'm not going to just walk up to it i'm going to sort of sneak around and i'm going to you know and you sort of describe what you're doing and that leads to a conversation between the dm and the player and that's what leads to the outcome rather than a oh well roll Roll perception or roll. That's what that's what happens when you have a system that doesn't have a skill set to it, right? Like basic D and D, there are no skills. You just have your attributes, and that's it. And here you have skills in fifth edition, so we do have skills, and sometimes they're important. Most of the time, they're not even important to me, though, because it's sort of like, well, is that reasonable? And yes or no. I mean, of course, in combat we're rolling dice, but other than that unless there's a real important risk of failure or something it kind of doesn't make sense to roll the dice hmm. i mean look if if somebody's saying well i'm going to spend 3 hours searching for that secret door over there i'm just going to say okay there's you don't find it after 20 minutes cuz there's nothing there or yeah. yeah you know what you search there's something there it looks like a secret door it took you 30 minutes to find it right like why have you roll perception if you're going to spend as much time as you want in order to find yeah. it. Yeah. I, I'm, I've been trying that out more. But I also figure that like, for me, like making the DCs and stuff kind of has always been like too complicated for me. And I noticed that my style of, of like, if I make someone roll for it, it's because of I'm, I'm looking for a degree of success more than whether you succeeded or failed. Just, Oh, you rolled really high. So you found this much, or you rolled low, so you you see what a normal person would see when looking through this place, and not so much. Or it took oh, you longer versus taking. Or it took you longer, or whatever. Like there's, but not so much like binary. You passed or failed because I that would require me selecting a DC, and then there's a chance that hey, there were some clues in there that I really want you to find. So those you're going to find anyways because I need you to find them. But let's see if you find something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that kind of yeah. yeah. t- ties back to the old concept of like what was it, like taking ten or taking twenty. In such right, a, you, yeah. know, you 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 don't roll. You just so you you take as much time as the as you need to succeed, and then the team says, "Okay, you succeed, and this is how much time it takes it took you." And here's what maybe happens in the meantime. Like I've seen in so many modules, like not official modules necessarily, but so many modules where they put stuff that has a succeeder or fail with a DC that if they fail it kind of stop gaps them and you can't continue the adventure because they failed. So now what? 
And that's not, that's not fun. Like, Oh, you didn't open exactly. the door. There is no way past this point. Yeah. So now what? You're just going to go home. <laughs> Talked about like a little bit, I think a couple sessions ago, about like the concept of failing forward, where it's, you know, even if you don't, you're trying to do something that it doesn't, you don't succeed on it. It's still the failure still leads to some, some other route of investigation or something that still lets you progress and try to make move forward and make some kind of progress. You fail to open the door. Yeah. The floor below you breaks and you <laughs> find a tunnel. Good. Yeah. <laughs> right. I played a right. campaign once with a, a system called Trail of Cthulhu. I don't know if mm-hmm. you're familiar yep, with yep. it. Yeah. It was it was it was very unique to, in that it tries to address this problem because in Call of Cthulhu, it's a very interesting game where there's a lot of clues laid out, and if you fail to get any one of those clues, you're missing a major component of solving the the, the problem. So the way they tried to get around that is you have these points that you spend that are allocated to different skills, and they're basically like automatic success points, and you just make a choice that, oh, this one this one lets me pick a lock. So I spend one of my pick a lock points, and I automatically succeed, and I pick the lock, and I get whatever clue is associated with it. So it's trying to like alleviate the dice roll that goes bad, and then you just have to know in what circumstance to try to use your points. Mm-hmm. Um, it was mm-hmm. it was it was hard. I mean, a lot of people didn't take to it, but it, I thought it was a unique system that tried. Yeah, to... I, some of the complaints about it were that people felt like it turned it into a resource management. Yeah, right? yes, uh-huh. versus an investigation game. And to me, I, you know, so it, it kind of depends on how the GM is running it at that point. Because if the GM is running it as, do you allocate points to pick this lock? Then yeah, it's going to feel like a resource management game because maybe you've only got two points. So, well, how many locks am I going to find later? No, I'm not going to waste them on this one. I'm going to save it. Right. Um, But if the GM runs it as, Hey, you found this, this little chest and it feels kind of heavy. Like there might be something in it. Do you want to pick the lock? Right. Then it feels like, Oh, well maybe there's a reward for picking that lock and using my resource. And I, and yeah, I won't have it later, but this might have something in it that I need. Right. Mm. And that in that way, you get to choose how you get that clue. And uh, yeah, it, it's one of those games that has um, people either love it or hate it, I think, yeah. um, because of that, because it turns it into it's very different from Call of Cthulhu because Call of Cthulhu yeah. is a D100 system and you you roll. And if you don't make it, you don't make it like, you know, it's just just like D&D kind of in that way, although very different setup and theme. But yeah. And I can't say I loved it because it kind of went one of two ways. You either had players who just would spend like crazy and get it, and then they would run out of points. And then, because the points were, they were like few and far between to get them back. So it did lend itself to thinking of it more like these, these are precious resources I need to hang on to and only spend when it's the, you know, the, the risk reward is the, at the highest. And so otherwise you, then you have the players who like are spendthrifts and they don't spend. And then they, they're, they're still not, you know, meeting the goal, which is they're not making successes because they're too afraid of running out of resources. Yeah. See, and in that case, it's up to the, see, this is another GM point, right? At that, in that case, it's up to the GM to try to lead those players to the understanding that they really should spend a point, right? Like they, you, you really should be using your resources. That's why your character is there, Mm -hmm. right? So you should use those resources. And if if they're getting to where they're using their resources and they're using them up too fast, that's when it's to the GM to sort of train those players. Okay, well, here's my clue. Yes, you could use that pick lock skill, and just as an example, to pick this lock, or you all could try to find another way around this locked door, 
right? Like at least search for something else rather than just use your resource right away. Like try to try to search somewhere else or try to find another hidden passageway in this manner or whatever, right? Um, and if, you know, sometimes that kind of, that kind of leading works and sometimes it doesn't, right? I feel like that goes right, right. We went like a big circle, but that comes right back down to give, give more player information, <laughs> give more information to your people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. All right. I think that's a good takeaway to stop on because I've already kept you all until way late now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so i want to thank our listeners for listening and uh thank my players for being such awesome players and and having such great discussions and um i think we, we will all just say goodbye bye bye bye, bye.